Tommy Shaw from 1984. He was formerly of Styx, and this was called Girls with Guns. You may not know this song. It only hit number 33 in November 1984 as its peak position on the charts, but it was featured in Miami Vice in the episode called Glades. That's where some of you may remember it from if you're a big Miami Vice fan like I am. Anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis. This show is being broadcasted live and recorded on August 30th, 2017. Right now, the time is about 8.47 p.m. Pacific time, which means our free roll began seven minutes ago. Started late tonight. I apologize for that. But you're probably used to it by now. So I want to quickly tell you about the free roll because... uh, well, we've got uh, a bit of an embarrassing situation. You might be able to guess what that is. Uh, we didn't really get much as far as free roll donations this week. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's, uh, and I don't expect free roll donations. I, I appreciate when they're made, but once in a while, we fall short. That's why I sometimes like to hold back money that's given for a free roll. Sometimes people say, oh, you know, do it next week. If I have a lot of money, sometimes I want to hold it back for weeks like these when we don't get quite as much. So right now we have uh, $11 plus another 11 that uh, is for a, b- a bounty on Calwatt, who I'm not even sure is playing. He said he'll be on tonight, but he said he can't be on that long because uh, he has to make a long drive tomorrow to go to New York City. And some of you might say, well, that doesn't sound that long. He lives in New York, but he lives in upstate New York. And I think it's like 400 miles between where he lives and New York City. It's kind of like driving from L.A. to San Francisco. So if you're not familiar with the East Coast geography, it can seem like it's no big deal. But yeah, it's a pretty big drive, and he's going very early in the morning. So it's also three hours later for him, meaning it's almost midnight already where he is. So hopefully we can locate him. Anyway, um, let me see here. Let's see if we got any... Last-minute donations. Oh, I, here's here's one other sort of donation to the free roll that I appreciate, but it the odds are it probably won't come to pass, but if it does, someone will be pretty happy. Third place may have $100 added to it of the free roll this week, and that's because Daly, who's a great prop better, he's a really, really great prop better. If he, if he suggests a prop bet, I'm talking about a sports bet here, if he suggests a prop bet in sports and you have the ability to bet it on your sports book, you should bet it. I've won a lot of money on his prop bets. Uh, pretty much everyone on Poker Fraud Alert that have followed his, his prop bets has made money. So 
I would follow those if I were you. But anyway, uh, he is donating $100, but only under very specific circumstances. And that is, if the score of this Saturday's Michigan-Florida game, this is the NCAA football game, results in a three-point win, an exact three-point win by Michigan, then whoever finishes third in tonight's free roll will get an extra $100. So, for example, if Michigan wins 3 nothing, then the third-place finisher gets another $100. Uh, 17-14 Michigan, again, that would be a winner. 20 to 17, that'd be a winner. Uh, that, this is only if Michigan wins. If Florida wins by three, or if they win by any amount, then you get nothing. I mean, you get the third place prize, but you don't get anything extra. And if Michigan wins by more than three or less than three, then you also don't get anything. So they have to win by exactly three. And then you'll get $100. Just uh, let me know to collect it if this happens. I have not collected the money yet from Daly, but uh, he's very reliable. I'm not worried about that. Uh, no point to collect it until. I, you know what? I, I did collect it because I owe him money. I forgot about that. So I guess I technically did collect it. Anyway, you'll get 100 bucks if you finish third in tonight's free roll and Michigan wins by exactly three against Florida in the NCAA football game. So thank you to Daly for that uh, strange but generous offer. Uh, but as far as the, the free roll here, I, I can't put on an $11 free roll. That's just uh, – it's, it's embarrassing for the site. So uh, – I'm going to do something that you wouldn't expect here, and I'm actually going to cover the difference of this uh, to bring it to $50. So I'm going to put in $39 of my own money. It, it, it hurts to do it, I'll tell you that. It uh, doesn't feel good, but I'm doing it because it feels worse to know I had an $11 free roll on my site. So uh, $39 will have come from me. With, with an asterisk. I'm going to put an asterisk because this is how cheap I am. If, if for some reason someone donated before I made this announcement, then I'm going to subtract from my donation and take theirs. But if it comes after my announcement, if there's a, a donation since my announcement, then I will just add it to the pool. So I'm, all, I'm doing this just to make it up to 50. So if it already somehow got there beforehand I just didn't realize it, then I will donate less. But uh, again, if someone later donates, then I'll add it to it. Uh, we have $11 bounty on Cal Watt if he plays. That came from Snow Tracks. Dr. Peters gave the other 11 so thanks to you guys. And the prizes this week will be 25 for first, 12 for second, 8 for third, 5 for fourth. So that's a 25, 12, 8, and 5 for first through fourth place. And the third place gets the extra 100 if, but, uh, if Michigan wins by three on Saturday. And $11 if Cal Watt plays and you knock him out. So the free roll, you have to get in there to the No Fraud Online Poker Room in the next 12 minutes in late registration. It started already, but you can register with a full stack for the next 12 minutes until 9.05 Pacific Time. And it takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You need to read about the rules and the qualification requirements by going to pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll. That's all lowercase, all one word, no spaces, no dashes, nothing like that. Pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll. You can read all about that there. Ignorance of the rules is no excuse. If you do not qualify, you will not win the money. You can still play, but I'm just going to take you out of the pool. So make sure you understand the rules before you play. If you want to call into the show tonight, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That has been our number of this show since it's began, so since back in 2012. We started this show, 
I think in April 2012. The, the site started in March 2012, and I actually interrupted the very first archived show, which is called Test Show Number 2. Number one, I hadn't set up the archiving system yet, so you were unable to, you're unable to hear a recording of that one. It was never recorded. But uh, test show number two, I believe, is the very first show in the archives. And that was actually playing when I turned it off to start this live version. So if, if you were enjoying this test show number two, you can go back and listen. It's there. But, yeah, we've been going for about five and a half years now. And I think we now have over 240 shows. I'll have to count. In fact, I think this might be the fifth show in August 2017. Oh, no, 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 it's not. I forgot. What am I thinking? I, uh... Oh, no, no, I think it is. Let me think here. Um, oh, no, no, it's the fourth one. That's right. I missed one. Yeah. I was thinking about my trip. Yeah, I missed one because of my trip. And then, uh, yeah, we had that month hiatus where we returned on August 9th. How quickly I forget. You can also call the Mount Charleston line, by the way, if you want to call into the show. That's a separate number into the show. It's an old 70s rotary telephone, which sits on top of Mount Charleston and forwards to me wherever I go. It's in a cabin that I own there on Mount Charleston, Charleston, which is near Las Vegas. You have to drive about 45 minutes to get there from Vegas. Despite the heat in Vegas in the summer, including today, the entire western U.S. is very hot today, including Southern California. But if you drive about 45 minutes from Vegas, it'll be nice and cool at Mount Charleston, usually about 30 degrees cooler than Las Vegas. So that's where the Mount Charleston line is located. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. And yes, you can actually ski at Mount Charleston. It's not very good skiing, but skiing nonetheless. We have the call to listen line. That is a phone number that you can call at any time to listen to the show. You can listen without having a smartphone. You can listen without having the internet. You can listen without having a computer. You can listen without wasting anything of your data plan. Whether you have a data plan or not, it will not cost you one byte of data. There will be no buffering. There will be no pausing. It's just—it's very simple. You just call up the call-to-listen line with any phone in the world that can call a phone number, even your grandmother's old 70s rotary telephone, and you can listen to the show. 712-775-8162 is that number. 712-775-8162 is the number of the call-to-listen line. It's been running strong now for close to two years. Tens of thousands of minutes are listened on there every month. And I love it. I call it myself sometimes. I really do. It runs the live show when we're live. And when we're not live, it runs one of our... Many, many reruns, many, many archive shows. It picks one at random, runs it as if it's live, and then picks another one when that's over and does that repeatedly until we come back live on the air. If you want to listen in the archives and catch one of our old shows, you can do it in several ways. You can go to iTunes and go to Google Play. You can go to Stitcher, which is an app to listen to podcasts. TuneIn, which is another app. In fact, TuneIn, you can also listen to the streaming reruns like the Call to Listen line plays. You can listen to the live show, in fact, on Twitter. On, on Twitter. On TuneIn. Not on Twitter. And you can also just download the MP3 directly from our server. Just go to the radio tab on PokerFraudAlert.com and scroll down to the little archive section. You'll see little buttons for each one. And listen whichever way you like. And if there is a way you'd like us to broadcast the show that we're not currently broadcasting, let me know. And if it's not too much trouble, I will add it. Not going to add it on YouTube. I'm not going to add it on SoundCloud. 
Because there's no easy way to do that. I can do it, but it's a lot of work. It's not worth it. But if you can direct me to something that would be easy to add for support, I will do it. I want to make your listening experience easy. And I'm always looking for new ways to add to listen to the show. Let's see. Uh, Okay, I guess we'll get to the agenda. But before we do that, I have a co-host tonight who you've heard many times, not Cal Watt, but the other guy. The other guy who joins us as a co-host often, Trader Ruski. Hello. What's happening, Druff? Thank you. I'm having trouble getting into the uh, poker room. Oh. For some reason. Uh-oh. It's probably just me because I don't I, see I, anything I, in the chat okay, about I hope it. But. It's you. Now, that's one I don't control. The poker room is actually run by, by Belly Buster. When you play on the Poker Fraud Alert, Poker Fraud Alert No Fraud Online Poker Room, you're actually playing in England. It's run physically in England, and so I have no access to it. And, and by the way, I, I, I got an interesting tweet tonight from someone who listens to this show, who we've had as a guest before. Very uh, interesting. I'll read that tweet a bit later. Uh, pretty influential person in the older days. And when I say older, I mean like through 2010 of online poker tweeted to me tonight. So we we have a, an interesting agenda tonight. Uh, a, a lot of lighthearted stories, a lot of funny stories, a lot of weird stories. Sometimes this show is more serious when we talk about uh, you know big scams and big scandals and go into those in depth. And this is not one of those weeks. This week we're going to have a few of those at the beginning. Uh, they probably won't take that long, and then we're going to get to all the funny and weird stuff. <laughs> so. So there's a lot of odd stories this week, as you'll hear as I run through the agenda. So, first of all, I, I want to make a partial announcement that I'm going to appear on a live stream, a live poker stream, playing poker, for the first time in about seven years. Not live at the bike, by the way. Not live at the bike, but it will be similar to live at the bike. And I will be appearing, and you'll be able to watch me play poker. I hope I do not embarrass myself and do anything stupid. Um, it, it's it's a little stressful playing those because not only do you have to play your normal poker game and try to win, but you also have to think about, you know, what if I do something dumb and look like a donkey? Now, if you play every single week on one of these things, then yeah, you can make some dumb moves, and if overall you're a good player, that will show. But when you're on only occasionally, very occasionally like I am, I, I always worry, like, what if I play horribly that night? And then... People will laugh at me and say, oh, I thought he was a good player. Well, I've learned. No more stakes at the World Series for you. So, nonetheless, I'm doing it. I, I will say the last time I was on, at Live of the Bike, I played a 40-80 limit Hold'em, and I, I won. And I was happy with my play there. I didn't make any mistakes on there. There was not a single hand that drew any criticism from anyone. Because, uh, now... Uh, I have to throw a caveat onto that one. That is, uh, there weren't all that many hands I played which required tough decisions, but but the ones that there were, I made the right decisions. So, play-wise, there was nothing that interesting there. Uh, the interesting story when I played on Live of the Bike, and this is uh, legendary now, was the amount of food I ate. I ate a lot of food because I. What happened was it was at like two p.m. or something, two or two thirty p.m. So, I was sleeping during the day, and my plan was to wake up 
and then drive over to Bell Gardens, where Live at the Bike is, and play. But something I did not budget time for in my day was to eat beforehand. And part of it was because I'm usually not hungry right when I wake up, and part of it was because I knew the food was free there, so, you know, (laughs) why not just eat there? So, as we were playing, I, I guess I was pretty hungry, and I ordered a lot of food. I guess it was a combination of knowing the food was free, and also just being hungry. I ordered a whole lot of food, and ate it on camera. Now, it wasn't as much as it looked, because like one was a big fruit plate that, since the camera resolution was not that good, it, you, you couldn't tell it was fruit, so it just looked huge. But in reality, it wasn't that much food. So, but, but, but yeah, I'm not going to deny that I ate a lot of food on Live of the Bike. I really did. And, uh, in fact... Someone even fooled Bart Hansen, who was one of the announcers, into saying that I had I was a contestant on Man vs. Food, and I had won. <laughs> and, and that Hansen kid, he he said it. He's like, we're getting a, a we're getting a uh, a piece of information here that, that Todd was on Man vs. Food, and and he actually won that. So that explains why there's that big plate of food in front of him <laughs> he was he, he took it seriously he didn't realize he was being trolled and I, I didn't know then that he would end up listening to this show one day either but uh, he does bart hansen listens and yeah we're happy to have him but anyway where i'm going to play i'm going to try to beat that i'm going to eat even more food if you, you think i ate a lot live of the bike i've had seven years i've gained some weight my stomach is bigger I, I think I can fit more food in my stomach than last time. I'm going to outdo myself. I'm going to break my own record as far as the amount of food eaten in uh, on a live stream. I just realized I'm still doing the agenda, but screw it. I'll just make this the first topic, then do the rest of the agenda. So I'm not going to tell you yet exactly when and where. This will be announced, but I'm just not announcing it yet for my own reasons. But it will be fairly soon. Don't worry, I'm not going to drop it on you like tomorrow. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm playing, you know, I'm not going to tweet tomorrow. Okay, hey, everybody, today I'm playing on uh, such and such stream. It won't be like that. You'll have proper notice. It's not really, really soon. It's you know, sort of soon. So I'll let you guys know when it comes up. If you guys do know, a few of you know, please don't spoil it and tell anyone. Just uh, let me reveal it. Let me at least do that. Let me enjoy my moment in the live stream sun but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it i really am and i, I hope i win and i'll tell you it's not going to be a low limit game it's, it's going to be a bigger game than what i played last time so i i could do very well and win a lot of money or i could get clobbered and lose a lot of money so hopefully it is the former so stay tuned for more information on that now here's the rest of the agenda a backlash occurred on 2 plus 2. The, the 2 plus 2 people... Well, I shouldn't say the 2 plus 2 people. So certain people on 2 plus 2, certain critics, fired back at me because they were very unhappy about our segment last week on global poker. So I'm going to tell you what their criticisms are. See, look, I give equal time on this show. I'm actually going to do a segment as our top story about criticism of me. I'm going to read posts bashing me now, I will respond to them, but I'm, I'm presenting the other side for those of you that think that maybe there's some kind of agenda here. Bovada 
I mentioned that Bovada is once again running poker, so I said, what the heck? I signed up. I didn't sign up. I, I went back on my old Bovada account, reloaded it with money, and decided to play poker. Except uh, one little issue. The payment processors that processed my credit card transactions skimmed money from me. Yes, about $80 was stolen, was skimmed from my credit card deposit on Bovada, and this has not been solved yet. And this is not a unique or unusual case. This not only has happened before on Bovada to me and many others, but it's going to be happening a lot more in the future, so you better watch out. I'm going to tell you all about that on this Poker Fraud Alert exclusive report about skimming by the Bovada payment processor. Or one of their payment processors, at least. Probably several of them. Last week, we talked about the Clovis 500 uh, 500 Club card room, which is a poker room in Central California, that they were closed down because they did not have enough money to cover the chips that were in play, which is a requirement of all casinos in the U.S. They may actually end up losing their license over this, so there's more to the story and more details have come out since we did the story last week. Some interesting stuff that I will read to you that was uh, published in filings by the state of California. When you've gambled before and you've won a lot of money, have you ever had the idea, I'm not saying like uh, seriously considered it, but have you ever had the idea of just like, I won so much money, what if I just take a huge handful of bills and throw them in the air? Let whoever wants them go grab them. Have you ever thought of that? Even a cheap Jew like me has considered doing that. I've never strongly considered it. I never actually would do it, but I've thought about it. Like, what if I went and did this? Like, what would happen? How would people react? Like, how much of a scene would this cause? I've thought about it. Well, someone did more than think about it. They actually did it. In front of the Cromwell, a man made it rain with $100 bills, throwing them in the air for whoever could get them. Not surprisingly, chaos ensued. We'll talk talk about what happened there. A second story about the Cromwell, a bit more pleasant. They're trying an experiment at the Cromwell involving gambling odds. You might think they're degrading their games. No, they're improving their games. I'll tell you about this experiment and which games are better at the Cromwell than anywhere else on the Las Vegas Strip. The IRS may be watching you. The IRS has been watching people's social media in order to collect taxes on gambling winnings, including poker. The IRS is is watching. They might be reading your social media. So I'll tell you how they're doing it, what they're doing, how likely it is that they're actually reading your social media, and I'll give you some tips about what to say and what not to say on social media in regard to this situation. There's some things that are totally okay to say, a few things that are actually good to say, and then some things you really should not say. Well, the New Jersey Lottery decided to put together a fun little game that was themed after poker. So it's not a poker game, but it's a poker-themed game. Just a lottery ticket, a scratcher lottery ticket. Unfortunately, the game was very poorly designed and infuriated people when they thought they won massive jackpots only to find out that uh, 
what they had actually won was zero point zero. So I'll tell you about that stupid game they had in New Jersey and what has happened to it since they introduced it. Poker players are not known to be the most hygienic bunch. I'm sure you've been at a poker room and smelled the person next to you and kind of wished that they were across the table. But this guy I'm going to talk about here took it to new heights, or shall I say new lows. This particular gentleman was kicked out of a Cincinnati poker room because he shit his pants. (laughs) Not a joke. It really happened. Here's another odd story. A poker-playing priest of the Catholic Church claimed that he was punishing God for all the bad beats he was getting. How did he punish God? Well, he decided he was punishing God, supposedly, by downloading child porn. You think that'll be a good excuse to use in court? You're downloading child porn to punish God? That's really what he said. We'll talk about that weird situation. I'll tell you who the priest was. You may have played with him on the East Coast. Nolan Dalla, last time we talked about him on the show is when he had his drunken rant about uh, the Super Bowl. But he did a blog that I thought was pretty good. And it's called 10 Ways to Tell a Sports Handicapper is a Phony. And we're talking about sports touts, the ones that you would buy picks from. 10 ways that you should not buy picks from a person if they meet any of these criteria. This is, again, according to Nolan Dalla, but I read it. I agree with it. I thought it was a good article, so I'm going to read you the 10 ways to know that your sports tout is a phony. Finally, as we've mentioned before on the show, starting July 1st, marijuana is legal for recreational use in the state of Nevada. You can go to dispensaries and just buy marijuana there. Well, some people have found an unpleasant surprise in their mailbox, and that is an increase in their car insurance rates despite having a safe driving record. Turns out that some insurance companies are already raising people's rates in anticipation of pot-related accidents. So I'll tell you why that's happening and the whole story surrounding that. It hasn't really hit the mainstream news yet, but uh, that is one negative side effect of the recreational pot law that was passed in Las Vegas, or not Las Vegas, in Nevada, including Las Vegas. So that's our agenda for tonight. If you want to text the show, you can also do it at our main phone number, 775-372-8355. If you want to text me before, after, or during the show, I will read your texts. I will probably respond to you. And I may read your texts on the air unless you ask me not to at the very beginning of the text. From the 410, two first names, bad sports tout. I don't know what that means. From the 505, you got to take the poker table five-plate-eating-fat-ass title back from Ryan Fee. That guy went shameless beast mode on Live of the Bike. Yeah, I heard about that. How did Ryan Fee do that? He's not even a big guy. I, th- I think I can out-eat Ryan Fee. I think I can. I don't think he's big. I, I've never met him in person, just from what I've seen in his pictures. I, I don't think he's that large. 
someone texted me, you doing radio tonight? Well, they may have their answer. If not, I just texted them back, yes. Well, here's some good news for everybody. Some of you might remember The Hacks, who called in. The Hacks is Neverwind's ex-girlfriend from like two decades ago. She made a very bizarre phone call here, supposedly looking for Neverwind. And she texted, I found my ass liquor. <laughs> if you remember that really bizarre phone call, uh, she talked about how Neverwind used, that uh, she used to lick Neverwind's ass. But she said she found her ass liquor. That, that would imply that she found someone to lick her ass. That's not what she was looking for. She was actually looking. She said she enjoyed licking ass herself. And she claimed that Neverwin, like that years later, I think in 2013, she went back and licked Neverwin's ass and it caused the end of her marriage. So, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was one of the weirder phone calls we've ever had here. She, she called up, asked for Neverwin. For a while, I pretended to be Neverwin. But then, then I realized the joke was probably on me because I think that she was probably calling with Neverwin or directed by him. I don't even know how she found this show. But uh, she's actually been playing the free roll, too, by the way. So uh, somehow the hacks is part of the site. Uh, from 774, referring to the IRS situation, watching uh, social media, all my shit is on private. Fuck the feds. Not a bad idea. Um, Someone texted from 773 with a picture of a guy walking by with a bunch of tomatoes in a little container by themselves. Like a whole bunch of tomatoes in a plastic container. Texted me, guy just walked by the ballpark with a side of tomatoes. Try and be 30 minutes late tonight, please. Well, I, I, I was. I was 40 minutes late. All right. And from the 734, free Lou Feather, a.k.a. Lou Father. I have to say, Lou Father has handled the banning pretty well so far. Uh, I haven't heard of any issues. He's talked to me on Facebook. He's been very pleasant. Uh, so maybe at some point in the future, we'll uh, we'll consider giving Lou Father another chance. Anyway, let's get going here. Trader Risk, you still here? I'm here. You're okay. But before we get going, there, there's someone just hammering me with phone calls, and I have a feeling I know who it is. Let's just take the damn call before we get going. Bring them on. Go ahead. Caller, you're on the air. Caller. Hello. You're here. Uh, hey, Todd. Oh, it's one step. That's a shock. Why Why should that be a shock? I'm just calling to, to see uh, how you guys are. Um, I wanted to... Remind everyone that uh, my BAP is still uh, still tons of shares available. Well, see, that's that's why. I, okay, hold on, hold on. That's that, that's why I was saying what a shock because you were hammering me with calls over and over, and I knew it was probably you. I didn't memorize your number, but I saw the area code. I knew it was probably you, and I knew yeah. the first thing you would say I just, is, I, I knew you tried to advertise this uh, this buy a piece thing you're trying to sell for for Borgata. I just knew that was the point of the call. I knew it. Yeah, I have a lot of experience of in hammering, so you know, oh boy. Just, um, it comes natural to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, you know, it's, you're, it's not only open to the forum members, but yourself as well can, uh, n- not have any issue, you know, investing as well. Um, I don't you know, know. $50 I, but, a share. So Bovada just much like, a, like an average lunch for you. No, no, no. Right? But Bovada just, hold on. Bovada just stole $80 from me though. I don't know if I can afford this. 
I, I think that you could feel Fiden in your in your budget. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So so that's that's all. Um, I, I'm going to link the thread in chat. So anyone that's listening, I'm going to link that in there. Now, how much are you, are you, how much are you to, paying me for this advertising spot? I'm I'm looking to get all of the shares sold by uh, the end of Labor Day weekend. So you think you think yeah. on, you think how the two plus two poker cast people could just call up there and advertise their uh, their buy a piece deal? You think that that's allowed over there? You think Adam Schwartz allows that? Well, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure the content that's on that show is a lot different than the content that's on this show. Well, it, it is somewhat, but comparing but the two, it is somewhat. But this is like the only I'm show sure, that allows I'm sure, this. I'm sure. I'm sure they don't have conversations about tomatoes on sandwiches and not having bathroom tissue in Toys R Us bathrooms. Well, so, I, I don't know the, the tomato. I could see. I could see them discussing apples. I could see them discussing the tomato. As far as the the Toys R Us bathroom, probably they wouldn't discuss that on there. All right, let's let's throw on another caller here. Well, since we're talking, uh, Scott from the East Coast. Hello. Hey, get this fucking faggot off the phone, man. <laughs> There's a reason why nobody plays today. You can't pay for dinner when you go to Vegas. Is that true? Fucking He's a fucking broke piece of huh? shit. Get Brandon on the phone. Get Brandon on the phone. Ask him. He's a fucking twinkie who can't take a fucking joke. Someone blast him. He doesn't pay for dinner. Did you not pay for dinner one step? I don't know. I don't know what he's what he's talking about. I, it's it's weird. So he Scott, weird Scott, Scott, well, Scott, so what ha- what not, happened not here? Did, did one step really stiff Brandon or someone else for a dinner? Stiff Brandon me for dinner, big time. It cut. He's a fucking liar. Well, what happened? I don't. I don't. I don't know the story. I don't know the story. I want to hear the story. What happened? <laughs> no, that dinner was fucking twinkie. You're a fucking twinkie. Yeah, that... You're a fucking faggot. You're a faggot. That brings no money. Michael didn't even get to eat anything. You didn't help out with that. You know what? You're a fucking piece of shit. Oh, boy. You fucking dog. Are, 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 you, are, you are you donating to my thread as well, or is this well, he, just he, a monologue he, for he, no reason? Well, he hung up, so he, he, he can't really respond. But, uh, yeah, one step, uh, I, I, I don't really know this that's whole shame. story, but if you, if you went to cut and didn't pay your fair share, that's not, that's not good. No, no, that that dinner was uh, between me and Brandon. That was a different. Uh, oh, okay, I'll have to ask Brandon that, about this. You know, this is the first I've heard of this. Yeah. Story. Okay, one step. Wait, I, yeah. I can't. I can't waste further time on this show well, with that. But uh, one one more thing. One more thing though. One more thing though. I wanted to to let you guys know uh, how I schemed the Paris. You schemed with the par- hotel. Oh, Paris. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So remember that gift certificate that that was given to me by you. Yes. For winning the yes. the contest, yes, you won the contest, and you got a gift certificate for the show, and you got a, a free stay, but you had to pay the resort fee. Yeah, I paid the resort fee, but in order for me to get that two free nights, I was supposed to hand in the gift certificate. But what I ended up doing was checking in in the hotel lobby that <laughs> you didn't need to give that gift certificate at all. So, um, I'm in, I'm actually heading to Vegas the end of September, and I'm using that same gift certificate. Oh, great! So, so, uh, you got, so you got four nights for free. <laughs> that's that's lovely. Well, one step, you know, I don't care about this because this this is you know you won the gift certificate. You it's between you and Caesars about how many times you use it. But um, I, I guess you're so, proud yeah, of yourself. So I'm I'm using I'm using and that room was 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 amazing. They had a bidet, they had two full bathrooms. Um, yeah, it was. It was it was great, like a huge, huge bed. So it really, um, it really is the gift that keeps on giving here. 
It, it is, and, and I'm using it right before it expires, too. It expires on the 28th, and I'm using it, you know, the the week prior. So it worked out well. Yeah, okay. Wait, Scott, Scott's on one more time, then we got to get going. Scott, what do you want to say? <laughs> All right, look, I lost perception. I lost perception. I'm going to ask you one time, one step. I'm going to pull a loop father if you don't like it. All right, and you don't go by it. But tell everybody what you did, because you know what you did. Hey, what, what did you do one step? I think the whole audience is curious what, now. What, what, did, what, what did you do at the, at the cut? Scott is very upset about this. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get that. You don't get a lot of things. It wasn't a dinner between you and Brandon. It was a dinner between you, Brandon, No, it was. Mass host. No. Oh, okay. You're, so you're... Okay. You're, you're misunderstand the, the situation. Well, what, what, what was the situation? I don't even, I don't understand the situation. You should... $400 worth of food, and you paid 50 fucking dollars, and you think that's cool. I paid zero. I paid zero. Zero. Zero point zero. That's how much I paid. Yes. Zero because you're even better of a person. How yes, but, but and and I had lobster mac and cheese, which was three hundred and twenty-five dollars. Okay. It wasn't three hundred twenty-five dollars. You fucking tool. Okay, let's. Be it was. I have a picture of the receipt. Would you like to see the receipt? You don't even know how much the meal even cost. So why would you even? Okay, this isn't. Yes, send it. Send it to me. I don't want to waste any more time with this. But I, I, I'm interested in the story. It's just it's not really going anywhere. So, so, but definitely send me, send me, send me the information. Story or Todd, do you want to hang up? Todd, do you want to hang up on one step, and I'll give you the story, and Brandon can confirm. No, I, I just want to go on with the show here. It's right at the beginning of the show. But you, you can, you can send me the information. Well, well I, I won't, uh, I won't sweep uh, this I under like, the rug. I want like to hear the story of how much of a scammer and a piece of shit one step is before anybody buys anything from him. Okay, so what? So why, what is it? So why so, do you? What? Why do you assume? Okay, so once. Okay, let's let's just get through, through this. Let's get through this. Hold on, hold on. Let's get through this. So once to be quiet here for a second, Scott. First of all, Scott. For some, for some reason, Scott, you're very soft. Scott, you're you're very soft. Who's, who's Scott? Scott from the East Coast. He's the one calling in. I'm Scott. How are you what, doing? What's his Matt? screen name? Matt, you doing okay, buddy? Okay, so you doing okay, Matt? <laughs> Okay, so so Scott, are you gonna are you gonna explain it? You're also kind of soft for some reason, Scott. Like you sound angry, but I can't hear you that well. It sounds like you're on a speaker. Okay, so if you put so what I'm asking is if you put one step, so I can talk, you'll probably hear me a lot better. Yeah, I do. Okay, and all I'm gonna do is tell you the story. Okay, and then if he wants to dispute it, the little Twinkie can dispute it all he wants. Okay, go ahead. You go to Brandon and get the real story. Okay, confirm my story with Brandon. Okay, go ahead. Let's let's hear let's hear the whole okay. thing. Go ahead. So one step hits Brandon up and begs him for dinner. Begs and begs him. We're supposed to go to step. <laughs> one step, be quiet. Let him, talk, let, him, let him tell the story. Let him tell the story one step. Go on. Okay, okay. Todd, okay. Just put him on mute. Put him on mute. Uh, there's, no, there's no way I'm to do that. I'll, I'll have to hang up on him. Just, just go on. All right, so we're supposed to go to steak. So I call steak. I work my angle. I get a table for six. All of a sudden, it's not good enough because one step has $50 to eat, and that includes the rest of the steak. <laughs> So Brandon, so Brandon, so Brandon gets a five hundred dollar comp mm-hmm. for eight of us. Okay, we all go to cut. Five hundred gets you, I don't know, maybe third to half of your meal off. You know, you split it eight ways. Take it like a man. Take sixty dollars off what you owe. Anyway, we get to dinner. One step decides everybody's going to get sides, but he doesn't want what the other people have. 
Okay, so little baby Matt has to have his his macaroni and cheese with lobster, and everybody goes, "We don't want it. You're paying for it." Okay. Yeah. End of the night. End of the night. The bill comes. Mind you, he's three or four drinks in. We got Jack Daniels there. Jack Daniels is about three or four in. Brandon's sharing a bottle of wine. Nobody's drunk. Bill comes, end of the night. I look at Brandon. I said, we'll settle up. I'll pay my share. We get a $1,000 bill for eight people. Yeah, I saw that posted. Yeah. All right. So do, so do, so do the math. A $1,000 bill for eight people before tip is what? A hundred and a quarter. Yeah, 125. Okay. If you split it that way. Hold on. If you split it that way. But at the beginning of dinner... Everybody told him, we don't want the lobster mac and cheese. So who eats a whole dish of lobster mac and cheese? <laughs> oh, really? So he ate the whole thing? Twink, with that fucking Twinkie. Oh, oh God damn wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nobody what? else wanted it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I did see that on the bill. I saw, I saw on the bill. I saw on the bill the three hundred twenty-five dollar lobster mac and cheese, which is crazy. So one step is this true? Did you really eat the whole three twenty-five dollar mac and cheese? Is that true? <laughs> I, I guess the laughter means yes. Down? Is that is that yes? Can I speak now? Yeah, yeah go ahead. No, because I'm not done. No, okay. I'm not done. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's simple. Oh, yes you're not no. done? Okay, simple go ahead. Yes no. I'm not done. I don't finish in okay, five I have a seconds photo. like you do, you fucking faggot, okay? But I don't finish in five <laughs> seconds like you do, you fucking faggot. So, Todd, put him on mute. I, I, no, I can't do a mute. I have to either, hang, I have to either hang up on him or mute both of you. There's no way to mute one of you. It's just the way Skype works. Then, then just hang up on him, let him call back, and say whatever he wants to say after I well, hang no, He's been pretty quiet. So go ahead, go simple. ahead. Go ahead. Finish this here. Okay. So Brandon and I decide that we're that I owe two fifty plus tip. I figure a good tip is fifty to sixty bucks minimum. Okay. Mind you, Carrie and I ate nothing. Okay. Well, how's a good we tip? How's a good tip? Dishes, 50, hold on. How, our dishes, hold on. We don't need anything else. Come to find out, we we agreed that I'm going to walk her back to where we're staying for our hotel that we actually pay for. We don't blow people for in the fucking hallway of Paris, okay? <laughs> and I meet them back at Bally's, and the eight of us, the eight of us are supposed to play a poker game. Well, all of a sudden, Matt doesn't want to play the poker game, and I kind of find I kind of find a, I find it kind of fucked up that he doesn't want to play. But Jack Daniels and a couple other guys speak up, and they're like, oh, I all paid my, I paid my share. I paid my share. I'm like, I'm not worried about what you guys paid. Brandon pulled me to the side. I owed $400 between the wife and I because that little faggot couldn't pay for his okay. lobster mac and cheese and his four drinks. Okay, so, he so, so he brings $50. He literally brings $50 and sticks Brandon and I as basically the only two that paid for dinner. Okay, so let me, let me – Minus uh, the $500 comp. Let, let me let me stop you here. I just want to. I, I think I understand here. The segment's taking longer than I wanted it to take. But from what I'm understanding here, that uh, the eight of you went to dinner. There was about a thousand dollar bill from it. However, three hundred twenty five of that thousand dollars was a lobster mac and cheese that one step ordered on his own. Nobody else wanted, and he ate the whole thing himself. But then one step only had fifty dollars to cover it. So obviously. Uh, that didn't cover his share. Uh, he couldn't even begin to tip or anything like that, and uh, and somehow he weaseled out of it. Is, is that and so everybody had to pay more. Is that basically what happened? Oh, Brandon and I got stuck with the bill. Okay, Brandon had it where he. I don't know what he did with the other people. I don't care what he did with the other people. I know Jack Daniels pulled his share. I know the lady that Brandon brought pulled her share, and I know Matos pulled his share. Matos pulled his share for him and. His buddy that he brought, 
Okay, if we can all pull our money, and then at the end of the night, I'm sure you saw the pics with Michael, we all decide to share our dinner, and who's the one guy that doesn't want to share anything with Michael who just gets off the plane, has no money, can't afford to eat a cut, it's the one fucking Twinkie. Okay, so so okay. Share. Okay, so I, I think okay. I got I think so I got this whole thing. Not only does he take from everybody. But you wouldn't hold on, be- hold on, it gets better. So we're playing poker. So we're playing poker, and I'm trying to be nice, and I'm holding everything back, and I was going to let it go over one little thing. And he walks by the table, and I said, you know, we all got a gift for you. And the whole table knew exactly what it was. And he walks over, and I try to hand it to him, and the fucking faggot walks away. Well, Where's the table? <laughs> deal with this shit from him, and he fucking walks away from, from a gift that we try to give him, the eight of us. Wait, what was the gift? And it, 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 it was a, eight different Twinkies, so you know what? <laughs> he could have had it. He could have got eight of them that night. It was only eight he was going to get. Well, you, you give him eight actual Twinkies, or uh, or, or was that the joke? I, I had four. I had four double. Pa- I had four double. Oh, okay, okay. So he, he walked away. What? He can't even take a fucking joke after stiffing us for dinner. Piece of shit that fucking Matt is. Okay. You know what? If C Money wants to go stake him, let C Money go stake him. Some fucking idiot wants to stake him for a tournament Borgata, let him stake him. But he's going to take your money and he's going to use it for something else. Okay, so we, okay, so we, we have our we have he our rebuttal here. He offers hand jobs at the poker table. He offers hand jobs at the poker table. If people if people fold, <laughs> he gets kicked out for shit like that. So I'm warning everybody right now: don't stake the fucking. Bag. Okay, okay, okay. So there's a lot to a lot to go on here. So okay, now uh, one step. What is your rebuttal here? Uh, first of all, let me ask you a few questions. Did you order the lobster mac and cheese and eat it yourself? Yes or no? One, may I speak now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I looked at uh, the menu, and I noticed that the table nearby was eating this great dish, and looked, and I found that it was lobster mac and cheese. And um, the entire table uh, partook in, in eating lobster mac and cheese. You know, what? It, it is, it, you know, it was Mark, uh, Easy Mark, SFO, was fun, you know. It's, it is what it is. Well, okay. So it sounds like you're not defending yourself. It sounds like you're just admitting the whole thing. Okay. So one, one step. I, I have to say though, like if if you do, if you show up to a dinner with very little money, and you can't really afford mm-hmm. to pay your way, and, and if you think that the others at the table may be generous enough to cover your share, you don't order the most expensive thing mm-hmm. there. That's that's not the right thing to do. You mean I should have ordered wine on top of? Of the lobster. No, you, you should have ordered no more than what the average person there was ordering. But my my presence in the table is worth more than okay. any meal can ever cost. All right, I've heard enough. I, I just hung up on it. I've heard enough here. So that sounds like guilty as charged to me. So there you go. You've uh, if, if you want to stake one step, you've you've heard the story. <laughs> All right, but before we get going, I'm going to put on someone else to the show who's been on before, but not very frequently, and kind of surprised me with a text message that he wants to call. He, he wants us to call him. He actually tried to call in, and I didn't answer because we're in the middle of all this. Now that I finished all that, we will add this person and see what he has to say. A known name in poker who has the show on tonight. He asked, LOL, who are these guys? Referring to One Step and Scott. Why is this call not going through? Here we go. Yo. Hello, is this Raymond Davis? The one and only. Raymond, hello. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And uh, I think the only time you've been on this show was when we uh, talked yeah, to you about you know, the... I, I thought it was that escort service that's sending this fucking girl over. Is poker fraud? 
<laughs> I mean, I, I can I can go look up a girl and send one over to you if you really want, but uh, that's that's not what this is. I always order girls. Okay. It's like ordering pizza to me nowadays. <laughs> are, are, are you serious about this? Do you really do you really order girls, or is this just a joke? I do it all the time, man. I, I'm, I, I'm not joking. I, I didn't know. What? I'm I, random babies. I wouldn't lie. I, I didn't lie know about that. Okay. So how do you order them? Is it like off uh, off Craigslist? Or? Is it off Craigslist, or where do you get these girls from? Uh, back pages is way better. A back page, okay. See, I, I've never used this stuff, but uh, I, I'm, I'm aware sometimes of it. Sometimes you can put up your own your own ads, and then you can really scan out the good ones and stuff like that. But you know, well, you can put up your own ad on on back page. Yeah, you can put up your own post ads. Oh, you know? I didn't know that. I, th- I thought only the girls can post ads there. See, now you're learning something. I, I am. See, that shows you I've never used it. I guess that, uh, you know, my girlfriend, who I've, I've been with for uh, eight years, she, she listens to this show. She'll, she'll be happy to hear that, that I'm so unfamiliar with all this, that I obviously have not ordered hookers <laughs> when, when I'm Hey, you can, get a girl for your, you can get a girl for your girl. I do it all the time. <laughs> See, you always got to have an extra girl just in case the other one gets tired. Yeah, that's true. So, okay, so, so Raymond, what's, what's going on? What did you want to call in to talk about today? I was just, you know, I haven't heard from you. I, I, I love the support you give my group, Real Grinders. Uh, you know, you're good. Uh, I, I, I love how we became trustworthy in Poker Frost's eyes, which is a, you know, a big badge of honor to me. You know. Yeah, well, I'll say you so, have a, you have a good you, know. you have a good group over there on on Facebook, the Real Grinders group. I looked today; in fact, it has eight thousand three hundred something members, I think, and that's a that's a lot of members. I mean, that's a that group has really well, five hundred. You're off about 500. Oh, really? I said 800? Okay. Yeah. But the scary thing is we turned down 10,000 members. Yeah, this has gotten so big and and so quickly. And, and you know, when when Real Grinders first started, when it was just a website, I I was skeptical of it. I said, oh, this is never going to work. And and then the Facebook group, I didn't expect. The Facebook group, I only heard about it actually because of Brandy Blakely and – or Blackley, or whatever you say her name, and so that's where I became aware of the group, and someone said, well, you should join the group to see what's going on there, so I joined it, and then, you know, after all that drama was over, I I said, you know, this is actually a good group, I enjoy it, and I, I actually noticed that there's a number of poker pros who post there, it's it's, it's a combination of, uh, you know, a lot of recreational and, and semi-pro players, and, and also there's a, a share of poker pros over there, so it's uh, it's an interesting yeah, group. Yeah, we got a... We, we- we got a, quite a bit of uh, William Knuth joined today. Uh, he blew up my phone, blew up, friended me and joining the group. Uh, so many poker bros and joined the group because it's a great outlet for them. Uh, you know, it's, we, we, we reach a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. It's That group is beyond, I mean, it is out of control. It, it's, it's bigger than anything I thought, and it's, get, it's only getting big. We get 50 to 100 requests a day. Wow. That's and uh, we we actually go through them. I usually go through some at night, but I let Jackie, Wesley, and uh, Terry Terry take care of that. You know because they're they're more diligent than me. I just let basically in and a lot of people in. But we're get we're. I mean it's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, and and the thing about our members, our Facebook members, they, they're caring people. I mean they're they. They show up for things. They care about things. They really, they're really in depth people. So they're not just, you know, running a mill. 
Yeah, and, you know? and by the way, Raymond Raymond here is someone who uh, shared my pain this year at the main event of the World Series. He and I went out on day three within minutes of each other. We we had a very similar situation yeah. there, and uh, I actually saw you walking around. I was going to come up and say something to you, but I was in a bad mood because I just uh, run into like a few big hands in a row, and I just like shot off half my stack. So I was I was kind of pissed off and didn't want to talk to anybody. But uh, I, I saw you walking around there, and then like right when I busted, I was like. Just kind of like looking at Facebook, and you announced, "Oh, I busted it." Like, okay, well, like looks like like within minutes we were uh, both out. So yeah, my I mean, my, I play. I mean, my my beat was brutal. I mean, I took a couple of brutal beats, but I really took uh, some some really tough. I took some bad rulings with uh, by the floor man. You know, I I I got a penalty. A two. I mean, I got a penalty. I think it was one round. One round penalty. This guy was kneeling, beat me in one big pot. This was earlier in the day, one big pot. And then I got, uh, I played the next hand. I mean, he was just kneeling me, kneeling. He knew who I was and just kneeling me, trying to get under my skin. And I just sit, looked at him. I said, I like to take these two cards, this two, these two cards and shove them straight up your ass. <laughs> and then they caught, then they caught, they caught the floor man over. Listen to this. They caught the floor man over. And the floor man said, let me talk to you, Raymond. And I says, yeah. And then he says, well, I'm going to give you a warning. And I said, a warning for what? And then I says, give me a, give me somebody higher. I mean, what a warning. Call Jack up over here. So the guy uh, says, uh, no, I, I, I got, I'm bringing my supervisor. His supervisor came over and, and, and listened to the dealer story and decided that I don't get a warning, that I get a penalty. So he overruled the warning. Oh, that's too bad. He gave me a warning on penalty. <laughs> so then, I, then after that, I told him, I'd like to talk to Jeff Ethel. This is bullshit. You know, this is, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I never heard of something like this, a, a floor man overruling another floor man, and now you got a penalty. You went from a warning to a penalty. So then I said, I want, I want to see Jack Ethel. You know what they said? They would, he told me, I would get, he, he said, Exact words. I would get fired if I called Jack Eppel. And then I said, you would get fired? He says, we are told not to call Jack Eppel. Wow. I couldn't believe it. That's crazy. So, you know, I, I think I I think I saw what had happened, too, because I was playing, and I saw you just walk out of the room, and I thought, oh, Raymond's busted. But then later I saw you, like, you're, you're tweeting, you're still, not, you're, you're posting, not tweeting, you're posting on Facebook, you're still in it. So that must have been, I wondered where you were going, like, while everyone was playing. That must have been it during the penalty. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you want to hear something even worse. In 2010, I, I finished 88th in the main. And on day six, oh, on, 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 on day six, I got a freaking penalty because I accidentally exposed my cards in the big blind because I thought the hand was over. They gave me a 20 minute freaking penalty for that. I couldn't believe it on day Are six. On freaking day six, I got Are you this. Are kidding me? I was so furious about this and they would not overturn it. They, they just, uh, I was, like, that's, Chips are so valuable at that point on day six in the main event. And I had to, right, day six main event. You can't miss twenty minutes. And everyone agreed it was an accident. Everyone agreed it was a, it was a complete accident. And I thought the hand was over. I couldn't see on the other side of the table. Someone had called the under the gun raise, so I thought it was raise under the gun, folded my big blind. I just turned over my like eight deuce offsuit to show like I had junk. That's all I did. And they're like, oh, up, oh, that's a penalty. And I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was infuriating. So uh, I'm so sick of, sick of some of these tournaments and their rules that I decided to have my own tournament series. Really? So, so where is this tournament series? 
It's October the second through the eighth at the Venetian. Okay, it's I, a real grinder. Oh poker, yeah, I saw I saw that. You know, it's funny because I didn't see the announcement about it, but I I was reading the the group and I saw someone talking about coming out there for the Real Grinders Poker Series. I'm like, what is that? But I I never got around to asking. So okay, so it's at the Venetian. It's actually called the Real Grinders Poker Series. If people go to the Venetian website real or something, grind, it's the Real Grinders Poker Series, hmm. and it's going to be at the Venetian. It's already uh, the schedule's already out. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring fun back to poker. I mean, you know, uh, you hear about this fun tour or whatever. I don't, I, Kevin Hart's supposed to bring make fun, bring back fun to poker. He ain't brought fun back to poker. We're going to bring fun back to poker. We're going to give people food. We're going to give giveaways. We're going to do all this. We're going to give back. Interesting. We're going to have bounties on, on pros and stuff like this. We're going to give back, and we're going to make all, you know, all the players feel at home. You know, because I, you wouldn't believe how many people come from out of town just to play the Real Grinders Tournament Series. Well, I saw some people posting about it, yeah. Big, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty big thing. If you if you look at the thread on that, I I was uh, fabricated. And Tony LaRose, he just went nuts. He was, I can't believe it. You know, Raymond, he says it's like you're a Pied Piper. You, you, they, they follow you. Now, what, what are the, what are the buy-ins here? In this series, what are the buy-ins? Uh, what's the range of buy-ins? The buy-ins are super cheap. We made them. We made them very cheap, so uh, people can enjoy. Alan Kessler complained, complained to me today, but he's showing up. Uh, we made the the first six events one twenty fives, but you can re-enter. Uh, and then the main event is three hundred and thirty dollars, and I changed it from thirty minutes to forty minutes. And it's a beautiful bracelet. You got to see that bracelet, Todd. You, you'll freak out. It's unbelievable. Designed by me. Oh. You know, yeah, designed awesome. by me. It's a beautiful bracelet. It's, it's in the group and everything. Okay, I'll know? go take a so, look. So, okay, so I what, guess. What we're building. Uh, hmm? No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. See, what, what we're building is I, I want to build something that, you know, players can enjoy. And and what's happened in poker the last couple of years, Todd, is the superstars and the, the tournament directors and the staffs, they're going away from the novice players. You know, it's not bringing in fresh blood. I want to bring fresh blood into poker and show people it's still fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I you know, I don't want people to get I don't want people to get a, a round penalty for accidentally exposing a hand or knocking a card off the table or something like that. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I I think that uh, it's a noble undertaking, and I I I think this will be a successful uh, tournament schedule. So, uh, anybody who wants to play this is listening. You can it'll be at the Venetian and uh, what, October second through eighth. You said. Yeah, second through the eighth, and you know what, Todd? I I put in three, uh, two Omaha, three Omahas, two limits. I put in a a, PR, a big O, and I put in a horse because yeah. I, I'm basically tired of looking at people play no limit. And, I mean, you know, yeah, and some no, of those it, some of those games are getting popular. Poker than no limit. You know what I I thought about because I, I and I actually thought about you when I thought about this. Had this thought. Almost threw a limit hold of me in there. <laughs> I was you know? going to ask you, is there a limit hold of me? Almost did it. You should have. You should have put one in it, there. Huh? You should have put one in there. People people actually like the limit hold'em tournaments. I almost did it, but then I said, you know, it's hard to get. You know, I think I you. Said, I think you would have gotten some people. I think I think people like limit hold'em more than you think. Even though it's it's kind of slowly dying, I think some people would like it more than you think. So okay, Raymond. Uh, 
I, I, I'm glad you called in here. I'm glad to have you on the show. We'll have you back. We, we just started at, uh, well, actually, we started an hour ago. It feels like we just started, but uh, we haven't even gotten to any of our topics yet. So, uh, we, so anytime, buddy. So, uh, thank, thank you for calling in. And, uh, you know, that sounds like a fun tournament series. And, uh, yeah, I hope it works out. And I hope there's more of them. In fact, if, I, if I'm around during one of these, I'll, I'll play one myself. Thanks, buddy. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, uh, Real Grinders, we support poker fraud. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Raymond. Okay, take care, buddy. Right, Talk to you, you later. I will say that Raymond has a, a very good attitude regarding me uh, putting advertisements. You know, that's a big group, you know, 8,800 people, uh, many of them active. And I, every time I put up an announcement when the show starts and then I put a, an additional post tagged onto that with where people can find the archives. And, uh, you know, Raymond... Uh, they're very gracious. They, they let me make the announcements on there, and, and I appreciate that. And you know, I have to imagine we got some new listeners that way. So, uh, yeah, it's it, that group has really caught on here. It's it's one of the few poker groups I participate in on Facebook, and very active and uh, interesting group. And uh, the, the the tournament series. It's uh, I actually would probably play that too if uh, if I was around. I'm not going to be around for it, but. You know, it's at the Venetian. Just uh, sounds like a Venetian tournament series that uh, Raymond's directing. So very good. Let me, you know, I see a call coming in. I, I I'm happy you guys are calling so much tonight. <laughs> Last week we hardly got any calls. Last week we only got a few calls, and I didn't even take some of them that came in. But uh, take one more, Druff. You never, you might have gold. <laughs> I just getting. I just you keep like I'm I got a stressing like we haven't started the damn show, show yet. We haven't even gotten through the first topic. And it's just call after call. Let's see who this is. I, I don't recognize the number. Caller, you're on the air. And they just hung up. Okay, they blew their chance. They called twice, but they hung up. All right. Uh, from the 510, this is one of our black listeners, by the way. He said the Black Caucus approves, uh, approves of Mr. Davis, who, of course, is black himself. And uh, Raven Davis, of course, he, he always jokes about his own race. He's not sensitive about that. I'm, I'm going to take this call one more time. This one I've tried to call numerous times. You're on the air. Hello. Uh, uh, Todd, listen. Um, I find I find it funny that you chastise me for trying to plug my bat, but then you have Raymond Davis who comes but, on and plugs his turn. But Raymond Davis, so, is, you know, he, as I said, he, I just mentioned why Raymond Davis. Uh, he's been a supporter of the show. He's got a, a large Facebook group. He doesn't complain. I, he doesn't complain I, if I if I advertise this show and that's uh, valuable to the show and. Uh, you know, so have I not been a supporter of this show as well? Uh, well, you've, you've called into the show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what favors I mean, you've done I the think, show. Think, it's done you a lot way, of favors. I hope I hope you want to know that 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 whole Scotch stick was a troll. If you you know that was whole okay. <laughs> that was a whole BS. That nothing of that is true. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. I shouldn't have answered that call. That was, that was one step calling from a different phone number from a different area. My bad, Jeff. <laughs> this is Trader Risky's fault. Okay. Uh, wow, Raymond Davis is bringing out all the, the black texters. We had another uh, black texter saying, uh, the big swinging black caucus. He's, uh, see, that's, uh, it's good. We have a, a diverse listening group that's, uh, that's happy that, that uh, the callers are well represented. Okay. Uh, from the 512, they, someone said, nice in response to Raymond Davis saying, real grinder supports poker fraud. <laughs> Well, we know what he meant. Poker fraud alert. 
but yeah, obviously Raymond Davis, uh, he, he's uh, he's aware of my poker career. At least he was saying he thought of me with a limit hold'em, so he remembered that's the main thing I play. Let's see. Uh, then I got a misdirected text from someone that was meant for someone else that wasn't that interesting, unfortunately. And I got the bill that was, uh, yeah, the, I, I just got message from Scott, the, a copy of that bill at cut. And before tax, it was 1048 and after tax, it was 1135 and the lobster mac and cheese was, uh, where is it? No, it wasn't 325. It was 108. Okay, that's, that's not quite as egregious. See, I believe the 325, but, uh, I mean, 108 is still a lot for mac and cheese, even if it's lobster mac and cheese. But uh, still, I will say that if you if people are paying for you, if you can't afford to pay your way, you don't get a, a hundred eight dollar side dish that nobody else wants. That's just very rude. So okay, let's let's get on to start the show here. I, I apologize to those of you that were hoping we would just jump into the content, and I usually like to hold the calls until later in the show. But you know, they came in now and. We hadn't heard from Raymond in about uh, like seven months, so decided to throw him on there, and uh, the whole one step and Scott thing played out. Yeah, it just had just happens that way sometimes. It's kind of a free form show. So okay, let me get to the thing that happened on two plus two with global poker because I, I I want to respond to this and I want to be fair to those who disagree with me because some people were quite angry about that segment that we did last week. So rather than hide from it and pretend that. Uh, there's not frustration and anger. Uh, I, I'm facing it head on, and I'm going to let my critics have a voice, even though they're not even on the show. And anyone's welcome to do that about any topic I bring up on here. If you disagree with me, or if I'm, you feel I'm treating someone or some company unfairly, then you're welcome to post your disagreement or call in and express your disagreement or send me a text and I'll read it out there to give your point of view. So I'm not looking to monopolize my point of view. Some people had the wrong idea in that there. Some people thought I had an agenda in some way or that I was looking to create a scandal or that that I make money from creating scandals. None of this is true, and I'll get to that in my response. But someone brought this to the attention of 2 Plus 2, someone named uh, W.S.P. Reedhead or W.S. Predhead, I don't know, how you pronounce his name, but it seems to be a, a listener to the show. And this guy didn't seem to have an issue, but he just wanted people to hear it. <laughs> he was kind of instigating, which is fine. Like at least it, at least it exposed new people to the show. So he, he posted a link to the show and told them where to listen to the global poker discussion, which by the way, was on the August 23rd, 2017 show at around the one hour, 15 minute mark. If you want to go listen again to that segment, or if you never heard it, you can go to the one hour, 15 minute mark on last week's August 23rd show, and you can hear it. So here are some responses from big balls, not big balls, but big balls. It sounds like the host is speculating and is unfamiliar with global poker. And the person who talked to PayPal sounds like the same guy who threw a huge fit in the subforum and said the same thing on uh, the radio guy is talking about. I guess the guy who got banned here kept bitching and found another forum to hear his cause. It's the same story that's been addressed here. False alarm, no cause for concern. So then some other th- complaints here. And by, by the way, what this is about, the reason they're upset 
I should give some background here in case you didn't hear last week. There was a guy who contacted me that he was charging back to PayPal. From you know, for, He made deposits on Global Poker total, totaling $4,400. And he was charging them all back because of various issues he had with Global Poker. And one thing he brought up is that PayPal told him that Global Poker is violating their terms of service. And that, in fact, that was one of the reasons they weren't honoring all of his chargebacks at first is because it was not eligible for purchase protection since it was a violation of their terms of service. And he said, well, that's interesting. If Global Poker is violating PayPal's terms of service, I have to imagine that PayPal will no longer be an option to deposit and cash out from Global Poker, which right now is their really their only option, I think, to get money on and off there. Or if it's not the only option, it's probably the main one. So I put out basically a warning to everybody that if they lose PayPal at Global Poker, which really surprised me in the first place that PayPal was even getting involved with them because they seem to be very anti-gambling as far as processing transactions. At least for U.S. gaming companies. I, I heard in the U.K. you can use PayPal, but I'm talking about in the U.S., I, I had not heard of gaming companies that PayPal was partnering with and allowing you to fund your account and cash out through them. So I said, if they're telling this guy that Global Poker is violating their terms, I can't imagine that they are going to be able to continue using that service for very long. And that's what this guy thought, too. Now, it's important to separate that I'm not necessarily supporting this guy's chargebacks. The, the guy doing the chargebacks, this is between him and Global Poker. And that's not really the issue here. We could have a whole separate discussion as to whether it's right or wrong for him be, to be doing these chargebacks. And um, I'm not even going to go into the reasons he's doing his chargebacks. And it's, it's nothing very clear-cut, and whether I think it's right or wrong doesn't matter because this is not the topic of discussion. I was just putting out information to people that PayPal told this guy that Global's violating their terms, and therefore... Maybe watch out with how much money you leave on Global Poker, because if you can't cash out with PayPal anymore, your money may be stuck on there. So that, that was my warning. That's basically what I was saying. I have nothing against Global Poker. I don't know all that much about it, but I, I understand what their business model is, which I'll explain shortly, and I'll explain why I'm skeptical of that. And that was also getting people angry in 2 Plus 2, because I was responding to them, and they didn't like what I had to say. But uh, I was just giving people a heads up that the PayPal support of Global Poker can end at any time. And if it does, then any money you have on there might be very difficult to get off. So another person criticizing me wrote, according to the main talker, that's me, the main talker, (laughs) Global Poker, quote, tricked PayPal, a multi-billion dollar financial company into processing partnership into a processing partnership the management of paypal must have just gotten off the boat was born last night and wet behind the ears the words poker and casino set off no red flags to an anti-gambling company beware of the aussies they will meld your mind so he's being sarcastic here of course saying that i'm being ridiculous by saying that they tricked paypal in some way because uh obviously if it's called global poker and paypal did a partnership with them they must know what it is, is what this guy's saying let me respond to that let me respond to that. And there, there were uh, various others that gave me a hard time on there. And and some you know, debated with me civilly. Some were just bashing me. Some were bashing the show. For the most part, people were pretty unhappy in that thread. And keep in mind, the people in this thread are ones that play on global poker. So they, they have a bias here. 
they they want to defend the site they're playing on because they they enjoy it or that maybe they're making money there or whatever they have reason to want that to succeed and they don't like when I come on a show like this which which has a decent listenership and and criticize it so these are not just neutral bystanders who are disagreeing with me these are mostly people who play on there and have a reason to defend it but but putting that aside the way global poker thinks it's legal is because they're calling themselves a sweepstakes. And there are certain laws in the U.S. which allow sweepstakes to take place to where they're not classified as illegal gambling. And basically the way you can have a sweepstakes in the U.S. and be legal is by giving away free entries. Because if there were not free entries, then it becomes gambling. Then it's like, uh, at that point, you're buying in for real money and gambling whether you win the sweepstakes. And if you win, then you get paid real money. So that really is gambling. So in order to, to separate it from gambling, U.S. law on sweepstakes states that if the sweepstakes has a way to enter for free, that it's no longer considered gambling. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's basically what the law is. So what does this have to do with global poker? Well, global poker, they came up with an idea to use the sweepstakes model for a poker site. So basically what you're doing on global poker is you're buying things called gold coins, which don't have any kind of value. These are not actually physical gold coins. You can't ask them to ship you your actual gold coins, but you're buying fake gold coins that you can use as play money on their site. And the global, sorry, the global poker gold coins cannot be cashed out. They're not worth real money. They're really just to use as play money on the site. But also when you buy gold coins, you get a bonus, what's called sweeps cash. Sweeps cash can be used to play tournaments and I think cash games. You can, you can play poker on Global Poker with the sweeps cash. And with the sweeps cash, you can win real money and then cash out through PayPal. And Global Poker claims this is legal because they're giving you the sweeps cash for free. That basically you're only buying the gold coins, which are the play money there. And then as an added free benefit, as a bonus, they're giving you these sweeps cash, which you can then use supposedly at no risk to win extra money on global poker that they send you. So they say, hey, it's not gambling. You're just buying play money. And then on top of that, you get to to use bonus uh, sweeps cash to win real money. So isn't that a great deal for everybody, and there's no gambling here? Oh, that's not true. Oh, and and you get free sweeps cash, which you I, I think you get some when you sign up, and then I think you also get uh, you can write to them, giving them yeah, you know, sending them postcards to get additional sweeps cash. So they're basically calling the sweeps cash a sweepstakes because uh, they're claiming it's legal for two reasons. Number one is you're not really buying the sweeps cash; you're buying the gold coins and getting the sweeps cash. And number two. You can get the sweeps cash for free anyway without buying the gold coins by sending them postcards. So here's my problem with this. Here's why I don't think this is really legal. I know they think it's legal. I know they have lawyers trying to argue it's legal. But here's why I don't think it's legal. is because gambling has a definition, has a legal definition in the United States. And the legal definition of gambling in the U.S., has three elements. And this, this gambling definition dates back to the 1800s, before anyone on this earth was alive. Everybody on this earth now, I believe, is born after 1900. 
But in the 1800s, they came up with the definition of gambling in the U.S., which had the three elements of consideration, chance, and prize. Consideration means you're actually risking something of value. Chance means that there's a substantial element of luck involved in the game. And prize means that there's a prize of real value to the winner. So let's take a look at something that is not gambling. Let's take a look at the Poker Fraud Alert free roll. We have a free roll every week on this radio show. There is indeed chance because it's a real poker game with a random number generator. There is a prize because I hand out real cash prizes to the winners. But it is legal. It's 100% legal because there's no consideration. Everybody gets in for free. It's totally free. So you're not risking anything. There's no way anyone can lose when they play our free roll. Therefore, it's not gambling. It's missing the consideration element. But let's compare this to global poker. Global poker does indeed have consideration. Now, while you can get a little sweeps cash for free, that doesn't take away the consideration because the vast majority of sweeps cash wagered on there was acquired through purchases of those sham gold coins that people are buying not really to play, play money with, but as like a cover that they're really buying the sweeps cash. So you can't just say, oh, we're really buying the play money gold coins and we just happen to get the valuable sweeps cash for free. You can't say that. Much like uh, poker stars couldn't have you buying uh, um, play chips and then get real money on there for free. That, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't be fooling anyone. That wouldn't be legal. Okay? And this fails the consideration test. Because most of the money wagered in those sweeps cash contests there, these, these sweeps cash were received in exchange for buying something that's otherwise worthless. So really the sweeps cash is being bought directly. It's just made to look like it's not. And as far as getting it for free, yeah, you can get a little bit of sweeps cash for free, but very, very few sweeps cash entries there must be the ones that are acquired for free because it's very hard to get it. You have to send in postcards or, or yeah, you, it, I guess you get a little if you sign up a new account. But for the most part, especially at uh, games that aren't the lowest limit on there, the sweeps cash is going to be acquired through spending money, meaning there is consideration. People are spending real money to get that sweeps cash on there, which then they are wagering to win money. That's what's really happening. You can try to dance around it. You can try to say, oh, it's actually gold coins they're buying. Oh, there's a way you can get the sweeps cash free if you send a million postcards. No. Most of the sweeps cash being registered, be, being wagered, the vast majority of the sweeps cash being wagered on there was bought. And that's gambling. And if it were this simple to get around U.S. gambling law, then we'd see a lot more of this. We'd see sweepstakes sportsbooks, sweepstakes casinos, sweepstakes poker rooms besides this one, we'd, we'd see this all over the place because it's a pretty simple way to get around it. But this, this is not going to fly. Now, right now, they're, they're not that big, so they're under the radar. But believe me, eventually the hammer's going to fall on this. The, the U.S. government's not going to say, oh, okay, it's legal, it's fine. They're not going to. This is not like Daily Fantasy Sports, which is breaking new ground. See, Daily Fantasy Sports, what they did is they took something that was explicitly legal, which was fantasy sports for money and they just sped it up so you could you could play it in a day instead of having to play over a whole year and you can play like a thousand contests in a day instead of just one the whole year so they took something that was legal and then just sped it up at a great rate and even though it is still kind of gambling it, you know you could see how that was legal under the current law this is not this is taking something 
that's called sweepstakes and turning something that is not at all sweepstakes. And this definitely has the three elements, consideration, chance, and prize, to be considered gambling. So anyone who says, oh, this is legal, it's totally fine, they'll never get in trouble, you're fooling yourself. You're totally fooling yourself. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm saying at some point they're going to have to face the legality of this in a way they're not going to like. Or they're going to go down first. One of those two things will happen. But what does this have to do with PayPal? Well, I think they considered, I think they, they confused someone at PayPal. I think they were sort of honest with PayPal. I think they probably said, hey, we're a sweepstakes. We're not gambling. They explained their model. They convinced someone, probably their attorneys convinced someone over at PayPal that this is actually legal. And PayPal was probably convinced for the moment that it is. And PayPal, uh, I don't know what they were getting out of it. I assume they were uh, charging to process these transactions, whatever it is. Uh, PayPal decided that they were willing to do this partnership, just as they have partnerships with large legal gaming companies in the UK. So they probably made it like that. They probably said, this isn't gambling. But I think this will be revisited, especially as they get more and more chargebacks. I think eventually they're going to take a look at this and say, you know what, this actually is gambling. (laughs) And here's another weird element to this whole thing, though. Because I've gotten more information from that guy who was doing the chargebacks. And... Let me uh, let me get to what he wrote to me because it's something else I want to point out here. Um, so he was saying that they they told him that they actually realize that Global Poker is a gambling site. Isn't that interesting? So PayPal supposedly already knows that they're gambling, even though even though Global Poker says it's not. PayPal was understanding, and this is according to the people he spoke to there, who may or may not have the full information, but they told him that, that uh, Global Poker is classified in PayPal's system as a gambling site. Now, isn't that interesting? So it seems like PayPal is actually classifying Global Poker as a legalized gambling site. And that is why they rejected most of his disputes, was that they don't get in between customers of gaming sites and the gaming sites themselves. They basically say, if you want to use us for that, you're on your own. But of course, it only has to be for legal gaming sites, which they believe this, they believe this global poker is a legal gambling site. And so then this guy questioned them back and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're claiming that they're not a gambling site. And he described to the rep from PayPal the sweepstakes model that they claim they have and explained that they do everything possible to advertise themselves as not a gambling site. And they, she even asked, okay, well, where can we find this info? And she, this person actually directed this PayPal employee to the FAQ on Global Poker, which basically uh, was explaining that this isn't gambling, that you're actually buying these gold coins. See, one of this guy's arguments as to why he was charging back was that he only used his sweeps, to, his sweeps cash and not his gold coins. So he's like, oh, I don't want the gold coins. I, I, I never touched them. I'm, I'm returning them. I only used the free stuff you gave me. 
Now, I, I, I agree with you guys who are listening. I, some people got really angry at me for not coming down on this guy for his chargebacks. Because he had basically two reasons. He was doing it for that, and he was also doing it because he didn't like their random number generator, and they wouldn't explain it to him, and they wouldn't prove it to him. And it, it seemed like they had a random number generator that wasn't, uh, really, it wasn't really one. And he was concerned about that as well. I have to admit that if you're going to buy into a site like Global Poker under this BS sweepstakes system and use the, the sweeps cash, which is what you're really buying, and then not use the worthless gold coins that they're pretending to sell you, and then say you want your money back, that, that's, that's pretty sleazy to do. It's similar to when, like, on Bovada, when I make a deposit there by credit card, it shows that I bought electronics or home improvement stuff or whatever, or women's clothes. I've had all that type of stuff show up in my credit card statement. And if I were to call up the credit card company and say, I want to charge back because I never got my electronics or I never got my women's clothes, I never, I never, got, the, uh, never got the lingerie in the mail that I ordered here, uh, but when I was really charging for gambling chips that I just lost... Uh, yeah, that'd be pretty sleazy to do. So I, I, I'm not defending this guy here. And, and, and it's obvious what he's doing. It's obvious he lost and he's not happy with the way they've handled some things there. And he's decided that ba- basically as punishment to them for not uh, operating their site in, in a way that he sees as proper, that he's just going to take all his money back. That, that's basically what the guy's doing. Okay, that's, that's my opinion. That's my honest opinion. And, and this guy listens to this show. And I appreciate him as a, a listener. Uh, I don't feel bad for global poker because, as I've said before, you, if you live by the gray market, you die by the gray market. So there's no license or regulation for a site like global poker. They're, they don't have segregated bank accounts. You don't know for sure that they're really holding your money. You don't know for sure if they can ever really cash out your balance. So when you operate a site like that, that's even if not explicitly illegal but not licensed or regulated either – uh, and, 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 of course, the player has to just trust you and hope you're not going to screw them. And when people end up getting screwed over and over by these type of sites, I, I can't feel bad for them when they try to operate a site like that and they get burned by people like this guy. But at the same time, I'm not condoning what he's doing. But at the same time, he's, he's raising some good points about the PayPal thing. I don't think PayPal really understands this. I don't think I think PayPal really believes this is just a legalized gambling site in the US and they decided to partner with them. I don't think they realize that this is there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a federally legal online poker site in the US. There's no such thing. And I don't think they realize that this sweepstakes model is pushed as non-gambling when it really is gambling. They have it coded as a gambling site, but then it says it's not gambling. So like they're looking into this. He, he's he's really pushing hard. He's really trying to get PayPal to make a decision on this, not just for him, but on global poker as a whole. So I'm not saying I support this. I'm not saying that I'm rooting for him. I'm telling you what he's doing. He's, he's giving me a, a, a step-by-step, blow-by-blow account as to what's going on with this. And he's, he's sending me new messages every few days. So this is happening, guys. This is really happening. And if you're playing on global poker, you may find that the PayPal option is gone. And... Why will the PayPal option be gone? Will the government make PayPal stop processing payments? No, probably not. What may happen is PayPal may just, may just say, screw it. We don't want to be part of this anymore. This Global poker needs PayPal way, 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 way more than PayPal needs them. PayPal is a gigantic 
company, as someone pointed out, a multi-billion dollar company. They don't need Global Poker's small amount of business they're bringing PayPal. It's, it's, it's peanuts to them. So if, if Global Poker becomes a pain in the ass or the legality seems murky, PayPal's just going to toss them aside. They're going to say goodbye. We don't need you anymore. It's too much of a pain in the ass. It's too much trouble. That could easily happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but there's a decent chance it will happen. It's not an outside chance. There's a decent chance that at some point PayPal will pull the plug on them. And they can, and they're not bound to serving them. PayPal at any time could just say, we don't want to do business with you anymore. It's done. That's all they have to do. And this could happen at any moment. You could wake up tomorrow morning and find this out. So just be careful. Just be careful how much money you leave on Global Poker without cashing out. So you, you can take a look at the thread on 2 plus 2 in the Internet Poker Forum is where this is. And you can see me debating with these guys. But that, that's basically what this is about. It, it's a thread called Global uh, Poker Fraudler talking about Global Poker in the Internet f- Poker section of uh, 2 plus 2. But you know, don't let people fool you that Everything's on the up and up, that uh, everything's fine. It's totally legal. There's no problem. No, no chance that PayPal is going to stop taking their business. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. I heard the same arguments before Black Friday about how sites like Full Tilt would never screw us. They're so big. They're so profitable. They have all these respected names and poker behind them. There's no way they would ever screw us. They're, they're acting in our own interest. Full Tilt and Poker Stars would never screw the players. It's better than having a regulated site. That they're, they're self-regulating and they will never harm the poker community. Any fear about malfeasance on their part is just paranoia or bitterness. Not based in reality, they said. And then look what happened. Then look what happened. Anything that any gambling site that op- that operates without being licensed and regulated is always a big risk to play on. And if you fool yourself into believing otherwise, then you are delusional. If you fool yourself into believing that some technicality allows an online gambling site to suddenly be legal in all 50 states, you are fooling yourself. The law does not work that way. So, And I don't care what the global poker lawyers are saying. You can hire a lawyer to say anything. I, I can hire a lawyer to uh, claim that the sky is green instead of blue. I, I could hire a lawyer to say that uh, the sun in Los Angeles is only up for two hours a day. And he could make a, a whole argument about that. It wouldn't get anywhere. But you, you can basically hire a lawyer to argue anything. And to spin anything legally in your direction. So just because Global Poker found some lawyers to wriggle things around to claim this is legal, that, that doesn't mean it's legal. That doesn't mean in the, eye, in the eyes of the law it is legal. It doesn't mean that PayPal will ultimately decide that it's legal and fine and that they're happy to do business with them. In fact, if enough people do chargebacks against them and complain about them, they're going to probably jump ship. They just don't need the hassle at PayPal. It's not making them that much money. If this were a gigantic partnership where PayPal was just raking in the bucks, that'd be a different story. But PayPal does not need this hassle. 
So, just beware. Just beware. Taking a look at the chat room, where people are chatting right now during the live show. Uh, Forum Warrior said, blow by blow. Ah, I knew this was one step. (laughs) Uh, Real No Name Yet says, is this the guy that charged 5K with six months to pay and tried to roll it on global? I don't know. I don't know what this guy's history was with all that. Uh, Disposition, I guess, finished third place in the free roll. And, yeah, he gets... $100 $100 of Michigan wins by three on Saturday, so good luck to disposition with that. I think the line is about three. So you don't have uh, that bad of a shot. Someone said, uh, don't out me, I play there, <laughs> referring to global poker. All righty. Uh, let's go on here. Trader Risk, are you still here? Did we lose Trader Risk already? No, no, no. no. I I'm see here. you. I, I hear crickets, too. Where, where, are you outside? Yeah, are, you, are you outside? I'm outside. I'm oh. walking the dog. You're walking the dog and the crickets? Now, is it like 85 degrees still out there? I wouldn't say it's that hot. I'm in West LA, but um, you know it's warmer than usual. But I heard the valley's been in the mid to late 80s at night. It's it's a very hot day uh, and humid too in, in in Southern California. In fact, all of the Southwest U.S. is unusually warm today. And uh, in fact, where I am in Southern California. It, it has not dipped below 71 in a few days now at any point. Even like 6 a.m. before the sun rises, it's uh, still 71. And I'm actually hearing it's uh, in the next few days, it's not going to get below 75 at any point. And the high will be in the mid-90s. And in the valley, it'll be uh, uh, over 110 in some places. So pretty brutal. So I, I will say at, at night, it's nice to walk the dog or, or do whatever else you do out there. It's, it's nice to walk outside at night and you expect it to be cold and you walk out and it's like 70 degrees. It's, it's beautiful. Like, it's nice. Where it's not so nice is during the day. So. I always say I, I enjoy the nights in the summer and the days in the winter in Southern California. So, all right. Uh, how do you feel about... What I said about global poker. What's your opinion on this whole thing? I mean, it's surprising that uh, they were able to get away with it. And so, what happened? He got he got his money back, right? No, he only got five hundred dollars so far of the forty four hundred, but he's still fighting for the rest. And depending on who he talks to, he's getting different stories of whether they're going to give him the rest because they can't give him a straight answer. There, they, they say, "Well, you know, we, we're not processing. We're not giving you the rest because." Uh, it's a gambling site, 
and we don't get in the middle of, of gambling disputes. And he says, no, 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 but they say they're not a gambling site. They go, oh, really? Can you prove it? Oh, yeah. And he shows them where they say they're not a gambling site. They go, oh, that's interesting. Well, we got to look into that again. So, like, they're really confused over there. Like, they think it's just a legalized gambling site, apparently. And they, they're kind of learning some new things. Maybe the higher-ups who made this deal know exactly what it is and are okay with it. But it, I, I really think it's possible that this deal was made without a full understanding of what it is and is not. And that can act, that can easily happen. Is there much is there much action on that site? I don't know. I, I've never been on there. I just know about it, and I, I guess it has enough of a following to where a number of people on Two Plus Two were angry that I criticized it. And oh, by the way, here's an answer I have to give for those that are believing that I'm doing this on purpose to create scandals or to get ratings or whatever else. In fact, someone said that my business model is finding poker fraud and talking about it, and that's how I make money. No, that's how I lose money. The site has never made money. Uh, Once in a while, we'll get a sponsor or something, and we'll we'll break even for a month, but overall, this site has lost money every single year it's run, and that's because I don't try to make money. The site has been running as a non-profit site, and and a real non-profit, not one of these non-profits that claims to be, but... Yeah, the, the the owner pays himself some big salary. I mean, the site actually loses money and hasn't tried to really make money in its five-and-a-half-year existence. So this is not a business. Maybe at some point it will be, but right now, and for the its entire existence since early 2012, this site has been just a public service to the community. That's really all it's been. So I don't gain anything by talking about global poker in a negative way. I also don't have any kind of affiliate thing. I'm not running some competing site or some uh, affiliate for a competing site. I'm not doing that. I I gain nothing if Global Poker loses business. And I have nothing against Global Poker personally. They've never screwed me. I've never played on there. I don't have any friends who had a bad experience there. Nothing like that. I'm I'm just being objective. I'm just being objective from my almost 17 years of experience in online poker and everything I've seen. I'm being objective and honest with you guys here. I I can't predict the future, but I can tell you from what I've seen that you can't just make it a done deal in your mind that it's legal and that PayPal is going to process the transactions there and there's a very tiny chance that it's it's not going to stay that way. That's not true. There is a very decent chance that it will not stay that way. And you need to know that before you play on there. And that's, I have no agenda. I'm, I'm not, uh, and I, some people are saying, oh, you're not getting educated on the subject. You're, you're not becoming informed. No, I am informed. I just, I can't believe this is going to remain long-term the way it is. It just does not make sense to me. If it does, I'll be very surprised. So that's my concern. And whenever I have a concern, then I bring it to the audience. And then the audience can decide what to do. So... If, if you know, the, the, here's the problem: is people are always trying to find a way to bend the law to their advantage, even without sinister intentions. So, global poker they they're attempting to be what they call a legalized U.S. facing online poker site by using the sweepstakes loophole, and they they think it's legal, but the the U.S. government may think otherwise, and I th- I believe they will think otherwise. I mean, uh, look, Brian Mikon thought that playing poker for Bitcoin was completely legal. I mean, you saw what happened there. So, just watch out. You can't just decide for yourself or have an attorney tell you, 
oh, this is legal, it's fine, when, when it's never really been explored in a legal fashion before. And I'm not saying Global Poker get busted. They may, they may get a letter from the U.S. Attorney's Office saying, stop. <laughs> and maybe at that point they'll have the money to pay you, or maybe they won't. You don't know. That's another problem. There's no requirement for segregating funds. So they can claim they lost all the money marketing or whatever. So just be careful. All right, moving along here. Why is there no Calwatt tonight? Did he fall asleep? Does anybody know? He played this. He played the free roll. Let me see if he texted me. I thought you said he was driving to uh, the city or something. No, he's driving tomorrow in the morning, and he said he'll be going to sleep early. Maybe he fell asleep really early, or early for him. Let's see if he texted me. No, it's weird. Hmm. Just kind of no Calwatt this time. I, I guess he he played the free roll. He busted pretty fast. According to people in the chat room. And, uh, yeah. I didn't hear from him. Yeah, he said that he is driving early tomorrow to New York City. He suggested to get Trader Ruski on the line. He told me this a few hours ago. And that's good. You know, we, we have Trader Ruski here. And, and that's fine. You know, if Calwan needs to take a, a week off here because he's driving early in the morning, I fully understand. But, uh,. Yeah, he just kind of vanished. I, I have a feeling he just fell asleep. That's what I think happened. But okay, well... we'll... And, and he may want to have the archives to listen to in his long drive. That's true. Maybe, maybe that's the excuse. Maybe Because once he's on this show, then he's already heard the whole thing. Then he won't want to hear it again. So if, if he's not on the show... Yeah, if he's not on the show, he gets to listen to something. You know, I, I should mention something. I'm kind of under pressure here a little bit to do an entertaining show every week now. Because... Uh, now my girlfriend listens every single week to the entire show. So I, I kind of feel like if the show sucks, then I, it's kind of like let her down in some way. In fact, there's a, there's some weeks where I actually talk to her more during the week on this show than, than I do uh, in real life. <laughs> Like I'll think, I think you know, I haven't seen her that much this week. She's been at work, and then I, you know, I've done the show, and then I like a, you know, I did something else tonight. She went to sleep early. And I go, oh, that's okay. I talked to her a lot on the radio. <laughs> so, I actually like that she listens because it's it's nice to know that she has an interest. It's it's nice to know that she wants to hear this, that she enjoys hearing me talk for all these hours. That she's she doesn't have the feeling like she gets enough of me and doesn't want to hear like hours of me more. So, and she said she she enjoys it. She laughs at parts of the show, and that uh, she actually likes it, even though she's not a poker player and never will be. So, that is actually good. Uh, let's go to the next topic. I returned to Bovada this week, and uh, they started allowing. Uh, poker on there again, as we mentioned on the last show. And it's just in time for NFL season, which is going to start shortly. So that's at least good, because that's where most of the fish on Bovada came from, where uh, sports bettors, usually NFL bettors. So 
I said, you know, I should go back there. And I loaded money on there to bet on the Mayweather fight, but then I couldn't actually bet on what I wanted to bet on because I forgot my props were limited. So I ended up not betting there, and I ended up using that money to play poker. So I loaded $500 on there, and I was disappointed to see that loading money on there was not cheap in any way. That Bitcoin, which I had a little of, uh, is going to be a very high transaction fee. Like if I wanted the non-priority transaction, which could take many, many hours, maybe even a day or more, then it was like $7. And if I wanted a priority transaction, it would be like uh, $22. So I go, that's kind of crappy. <laughs> that's, that's almost as much as the credit card fee. In fact, there's more than the credit card fee on 500 bucks. So then... I was looking at the credit cards, and they raised their fee from 4.9% to 5.9%. So that's almost 30 bucks to load $500 on there in fees. Now, I do have a credit card with 2% cash back, so that does bring it down to like 3.9%. But still, it's, it's still a pretty hefty fee. So I decided to do the credit card anyway, because at least the credit card is instantaneous. The Bitcoin, you got to wait and wait and wait until the whole transaction verifies. It can be you know, many hours, sometimes even more than many hours. And once the transaction fees for Bitcoin went up anyway, I said I might as well just do the credit card. So I did the credit card. So let's do the math. $500 plus a 5.9% processing fee equals $529 and um, 40 cents. $529.40. That's what I should have been charged. I did a second one of these the next day when I busted that 500. So I needed to reload. So I bust, I reloaded the next day, also with a credit card. In fact, I reloaded while I was at the table. There, it was especially important to get it on fast because I still wanted to play that particular game. It was, it was a fairly good game, and I couldn't wait for the whole Bitcoin thing to process, so I loaded with a credit card again. So I should have had two transactions on my credit card for $529.40. However, I had two transactions on my credit card for $569.13 for a total of almost $40 extra charge for each transaction, meaning I paid almost 14% on each transaction. Well, I didn't agree to that. I agreed to 5.9%. So... Before you think, okay, well, maybe my credit card charged me fees. No. My credit card has no foreign transaction fees. My credit card processed these as a purchase, not a cash advance. So it was charged as a $569.13 purchase of, quote, electronics by Bovada's payment processor in China. So it was, it was one of those typical Bovada BS merchandise purchases when you're really buying gambling chips, which is fine, but it should be for the amount that they claim they're charging me, which should have been 529.40, not 569.13. So uh, that was very upsetting. And I called them up and I said, hey, uh, I believe your payment processor skimmed from me. Now, before I continue, I want everyone to understand what's going on here. Bovada is not the one actually making that charge. Bovada hires third-party companies to do these credit card transactions. These third-party companies are very shady. 
How do I know they're shady? Well, because they're breaking the law. That is the most dangerous part legally is processing payments in and out of these poker sites. That's where the money gets seized most often. That's where people go to jail most often. They go after payment processors. So you're not going to have a salt-of-the-earth, honest person usually processing these payments. You're going to have someone who is willing to break the law and risk jail time and, and also risk getting, getting their uh, money and business confiscated to do this. So as a result, they have to trust a lot of shady companies, many of which are abroad, and there's really no recourse if they screw you. And often, those processing these payments screw the poker sites, the most famous of which was Daniel Svetkov, who once stole $100 million from poker stars in full tilt when he was processing payments for them. So something the Bovada processors like to do is skim, and that is they will take little extras for themselves. They just figure people are going to either not look at their bank statement or forget what the exact charge was supposed to be or just assume it must be other fees from their bank. So these processors skim extra money on the top. Not all the time, but sometimes. Some of them do, some of them don't. So this particular processor in China, which processed both of my transactions, decided to skim almost an extra $40 per transaction just for themselves which, of course, they're not supposed to do, but that's what they did. I've also had skimming the other direction when I've cashed out of Bovada, where their payment processor skims the other way, and they send me foreign transaction money where they send me euros or Canadian dollars and just take some off the top. Not a whole lot, but again, something like $80, $100, whatever. So, like, I'll make a $9,500 cash out, and uh, they'll skim, like, $80 to $100 off the top. But... That's harder to prove because that involves foreign transaction conversions. I'm still able to prove it, but they, they, they wouldn't help me. But it's much more clear cut when you're making a deposit, when they tell you exactly how much you're going to be charged in U.S. dollars, and then you get charged much more. So I called Bovada about this and raised this issue. And of course, I got the usual BS about, oh, it's probably your bank, it's probably foreign transaction fees, it's probably cash advance fees. And I said, no, 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 it's not. I already checked into all this. 100% sure it was not any of that. You guys just charged me, or your processor just charged me an extra $40. Again, it's the processor doing it, not Bovada. But it's Bovada's responsibility to either get the money back from the processor or make it right. They can't just shrug their shoulders and say, tough luck, the processor stole from you, not our problem. It is their problem. It's their processor. The processor is is operating as Bovada here. So they told me I had to send a, quote, running bank statement to them for proof. Trader Risky, have you ever heard of a running bank statement before? No, I wonder. I have, I have not. What's that? Yeah, I, that, so th- they've told me this before. I, 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 I gave them an answer tonight. I, I told them that they don't know what they're talking about. In the United States, there is no such thing as a running bank statement. About at least not to my knowledge. I, I have a whole lot of credit cards, a whole lot, and I've never heard of a running bank statement. What they mean by a running bank statement is they think that you can get your bank that uh, issues your credit card to generate a full statement up to the current day. That just on the fly, you can just get a statement that covers all the way up to the present. 
And I tried to explain to them that doesn't exist, that you do get a statement when the billing period's over, yeah, and, and you have to wait like another week or two, but that the only way you can see transactions since that statement is by going online and looking at a transaction list. That is made available to you. You can see your recent transactions, but it's not a running statement. There's no statement you get. You can't print out any statement that has your, your full name and your credit card number and all that other stuff they want to see. So I've tried to explain that over and over to them that there is no such thing as a running bank statement, that the only thing you can do is either wait several weeks to get the actual statement generated or you can send them a transaction list. But they didn't like that. No, 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 we can't just take a transaction list. I said, well, you have to. I mean, that's all there is. And no, I'm not going to wait six weeks to resolve this. So they admitted to me, after I got a supervisor on the phone, the supervisor basically admitted to me that, yes, what I'm talking about does happen. And in fact, it's becoming increasingly common. They admitted to me, without saying it in so many words, but they strongly implied to me, shall I say, that this is getting very, very common on Bovada, and that they don't have control over it because these credit card processors just do what they want, and that if I, quote, if I don't want this to happen again, I should probably look into another payment method. So they weren't even saying, oh, this is a fluke, don't worry about it, you know, we'll take care of it this one time, it probably won't happen again. They were saying, you probably shouldn't use a credit card again because they're probably going to steal from you again. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> that's, that was their answer. That, that wasn't their exact words, but that's what they were implying to me very strongly. If you heard the conversation, it was a very strong implication of, yes, the credit card companies are shady. The credit card companies meaning the, uh, the payment processors, that they're shady and that they are going to steal from you again. So unless you want to go through this every time, I suggest using some other method. That's, that's basically what they told me. And I explained to them. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I have any other message. They're like, well, you have a rapid transfer. You can do it with MoneyGram. I go, okay, I'll consider that. They go, yeah, you can do one transfer of up to $500 per month. (laughs) And I said, come on, come on. I'm a high-limit player. I play 36-limit Hold'em on there and and other high games. $500 can be gone in one hand. So one per month is not going to do me any good. So, anyway, here's, here's a text I got, or actually a tweet I got from Chad Ellie. Now, Chad Ellie was on this show a few years ago on Black Friday, but the other Black Friday, the Thanksgiving Black Friday, but he was on to talk about the poker Black Friday because he was one of the biggest payment processors in poker prior to the April 15, 2011 Black Friday. In fact, Chad Ellie spent five and a half months in prison over his payment processing. And he told us a lot of interesting stuff about the world of payment processing. So he he listens to this show sometimes. And he was interested in my tweet today. I tweeted out about the situation regarding uh, being stiffed by this payment processor. And here's what Chad Ellie had to say. He said, do a partial chargeback. It's pretty easy. China solutions are a ticking time bomb. Good for a few months, uh, then the good old Svetkov and off with the money. <laughs> so basically, Chad Ellie, who, who knows more about payment processing than anyone, because this, this guy was uh, one of poker's biggest payment processors. I guarantee if you played on Poker Stars or Full Tilt in uh, yeah, the late 2000s or early 2010s, that, that uh, he processed your payment at some point. He's saying that what I can do is a partial chargeback 
on this, and that uh, these Chinese companies are very untrustworthy, and that for a few months they behave okay, and then they just uh, do what uh, Svetkov does and run off of the money. You might wonder why the poker sites put up with this. They have to. They, they don't have any other solution. They, they need the processors more than the processors need them. So the processors screw them. They just eat it and move on. That's really what happens. That's why, the pro- that's why Bovada is like, look, you know, <laughs> send us proof. Like the- Bovada wants to see the proof, and then they'll make it right out of their own pocket. They don't even go back to the processor and say, hey, give us the money back. They just, they just eat it is what happens. And I guess if this happens enough, they might drop the processor, but most people don't complain, and those that do complain usually just get told, oh, it's your bank, and then the people just kind of begrudgingly believe it. But I, I didn't realize about this partial chargeback. I never knew that was possible. I always thought you have to either charge back the whole thing or nothing. I, I never knew that. I'm going to try that, actually, if this doesn't work. So, that's pretty obnoxious. Pretty obnoxious that this is going on. But I'll tell you, Bovada needs to, number one, stop demanding this stupid running statement. Because it doesn't exist. And there's, and there's this thing is a running bank statement. They need to accept a transaction screen. And, and number two, they need to have better communication with their processors, where at least they can get a list of the actual charges the processors made. And then uh, compare them. And, and they should believe the person who claims this unless they're claiming it all the time. So unless it's suspicious, they should give them the benefit of the doubt and just give them the money back. Especially if they know it's happening constantly. So we will see if Bovada acts honorably here. I, I convinced them to let me just send in a screenshot of the transaction screen. They claim it'll be okay. I have to wait two days, they said, and I'll get a response. So we'll see. I'll report next week about what happens. And you can also look on the scam, scandals, and shadiness portion of the forum to see the updates, because I posted the story there as well. I also tweeted it out. I figured the public needs to be warned. So if you deposit to Bovada, Ignition, or even sites that don't have anything to do with Bovada, like America's Card Room, if you ever see the wrong amount of money on your credit card statement, don't just shrug your shoulder and go, oh, probably just fees. Oh, I probably just forgot how much uh, the fees were. No. Make sure to the penny that you were charged properly. And if you're not, call up and complain. And if they don't do anything... Tell them you're going to make it very public. And then do it. Then make it very public. Don't just take that lying down. And don't let them blame it on the third-party company. It's their responsibility. If they hire crooks to charge your credit card, then they have to cover what the crooks steal. Because the crooks are working for them. The crooks are working as them. So I'm willing to play the stupid game where I'm, I'm buying phony electronics or phony women's clothing or phony home improvement merchandise, but uh, I'm not going to let them charge me more than they're supposed to. It's bad enough to pay these 6% fees. Now, hopefully I will run it up there and not need to do this again. I've run it up a little bit, but uh, I'm far from being stable on there. I'm just getting started. and uh, I have more money than what I've deposited, but uh, just one bad session away from being back to zero. So... We shall see. We shall see. Now, this is my first experience playing on this platform since they went to this stupid format where 
you can't uh, choose your own table. In fact, you can't even view which tables are running. And I found that there are a few tricks that one can use to actually uh, use this to your advantage. And not in any cheating way. I'm not saying I cheat. I don't, I, I don't use the to cheat in any way. I'm just saying as far as uh, picking where you sit or, or, or changing seats or things like that. I, I found a few ways that this new system can be used to where you can do things you couldn't do before. But for the most part, it's a big pain in the ass and a hindrance. Uh, what really sucks about it is that you just can't see what's running. That's even worse than not being able to choose the game. Because, uh, like, for example, I want to play Omaha 8 or better. Okay? I, I want to play it. I enjoy the game. It's hard to find running live. and I, I want to play it. And I, I used to play it a lot on Bovada until they did the stupidity and, and killed the, the way the lobby works and made you just do it blind. Because basically what you do is you say what you want to play and you choose how many handed you want the table to be, you know, whether 2, 6, or 9, and what limit you want, and then they drop you at, at the next available table. So... If there's nobody there, it drops you there by yourself. Well, the problem is, if there's not enough interest in the game, you're always going to be dropped there by yourself, and no one's going to just sit and wait. So every time I try to play Omaha, there's never anyone there. And the problem is I can't see what's running. So like, I'll play Omaha 3060, I'll play Omaha 1020, I may even play a 510. But I can't because I can't see what's running. And I don't want to go through all the different configurations. Okay, do I want to try six-handed? Nope. Okay, nine-handed? Nope. Okay, let's try the other limit. Six-handed? Nope. Nine. I've got to go through like six different times to, to go through everything to make sure there's nothing running. It's a massive pain in the ass. And then, of course, the other problem is you, you, you just can't... You can watch the games, but only once you've been sat there. So if, for example, if, if a... If a table's running, but it's not sitting you there, then you can't watch it and decide if you want to play. Now, if they sit you at a table and you don't want to play, you can just sit out. So you're not forced to play when they drop you there. So what you basically have to do is open up a whole lot of tables with the minimum buy-in, and then just wait until it sits you by yourself. Then you'll know you have every single table open, at least every table that has open seats, and then choose which one, if any, you want to play. So it's a pain in the ass. And I, I don't know how much the fish like this. I think the fish find this infuriating too, that they can't just easily find a game they want to play. Because fish, what they used to do is they'd, they'd, uh, they'd want to play some poker. They're in a mood to, pl- to gamble. They just take a look at what games are running, and they, they click on one and sit down and play. Now, now they have to search and search to find a running game. It's a pain in the ass. I don't, I don't know if the fish are going to tolerate it. So we will see during NFL season if we get more fish. The games I've played have been hit and miss. They haven't been great. There's been a few like kind of semi-donks in the games, but no great games yet, like there used to be. So we will see if the games improve, we will see if they make the $80 right. But I told them, I said, I'm not going to drop this. You don't know how loud I'm going to be about this. I'm not going to let this go. I know that this money was stolen from me, and I was very clear to them. I said, I know you guys did not steal it. Your processor stole it, but you need to make it right. And I will not accept any other answer than, yes, we are making it right. No excuses, no attempt to trick me, no attempt to tell me I'm wrong. I know I'm right. I'm 100% right. They stole from me. Now pay me back. That's what I'm telling them. So just beware. Don't, don't ever let them get over on you like this.
And feel free to add to my thread there on Poker Fraud Alert if this has happened to you too. Uh, it's happened to others, I know. It even happened to me a few years ago. However, I've used this credit card many times in the past on Bovada, this exact card, and it did not happen. So it's not like this card it always happens with it. Like there's there's been many, many times that they've processed a payment and it was right. But that's because I must have gotten a more honest processor, or at least one that was not stealing at that time. Okay, so now we're gonna talk about the Clovis card room called the five hundred club room. The five hundred uh, club card room. It's a poker room in Clovis, which is near Fresno, California, Central California. And they were busted about a week and a half ago, a week and a half, two weeks ago or so. They were busted because they did not have enough money on hand to cover the chips in play. So they were closed down in a raid by state officials. Now, we reported this last week. However, there is new information that has come to to light. And they may end up losing the license. Now, the they claimed that they actually had enough money that between bank accounts and uh, some bonds that they had, they claimed that their total assets were more than the chips that were out in circulation. Of course, one of the problems was it was determined that they did not have sufficient documentation of the chips in circulation. They couldn't prove which chips were out and which chips were not out. They just knew a bunch of chips were out, and they didn't know the total, which is already bad news. That's another thing they got in trouble for, because all casinos are required to keep an inventory of every chip they have. They need to know which chips they are holding and which chips are out. Now, any chips that are in the cage, they're not required to have to cover. But any chip that is in circulation, any chip that is currently held by any players, they must be able to immediately cover. Otherwise, they are guilty of what's known as failure to maintain adequate financing and can lose their license. So, a document was filed by the state of California that may result in them losing their license to operate gaming, and that will be the end of the poker room. They, they've reopened their restaurant there, but they still have not reopened for any kind of gaming. So this is uh, the, the Gambling Control Commission for the state of California... Uh, They're going to be holding a hearing, and they have opened a case, and a document was submitted alleging that the 500 Club did not have uh, the proper amount of money, and and it's uh, it's pretty bad when you listen to this. First of all, this has only been licensed for less than four years, so this is a newer club. It's called the Clovis 500 Club. So they said, Respondent's owner's gambling license is subject to revocation in that on August 9th, 2017, August 14th, 2017, and August 16th, 2017, the Bureau determined that the Clovis 500 Club lacked sufficient funds in a required, properly designated, and segregated account to cover its chips-in-use liability. It's interesting. It kind of sounds like to me that they don't have to have the cash on hand, but they just have to have an account that's segregated that they can withdraw from if necessary. On August 9, 2017, the Bureau conducted an on-site evaluation of Clovis 500 Club's financing. 
That investigation disclosed that Clovis 500 Club lacked and failed to maintain sufficient records to document its current chips and use liability. Nonetheless, this part's very interesting, the Bureau was able to determine that the Clovis 500 Club's chips and use liability was no less than $438,600, which was the value of the chips held on that date by Rhino Gaming Incorporated, the Clovis 500 Club's third-party provider of proposition player services. That is very interesting. Basically, they, they hired a company that provides them props to keep the games going, and the props that work for that company uh, are currently holding $438,600 worth of chips from the 500 Club, which that alone, the 500 Club, cannot cover. Uh-oh. And that doesn't include all the other chips that others are holding. Just, just the prop players, they can't cover. The Bureau determined that the balance in the Clovis 500 Club's liability bank account on August 9th 2017 was $1 million. No, they wish. Try $50. Yeah, they their segregated bank account to cover all the chips in play, which were at least $436,600, uh, they had $50 in that account. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Howard Letterer and Chris Ferguson would be very proud. The Bureau also determined that the balance in the Clovis 500 general bank account was, what do you think it is? Anyone have an idea? I bet you're probably thinking, zero point zero. But no, that's actually more than they had. Yes, you heard me right. Zero point zero is more than they had in their general bank account. Their balance in their general bank account was actually negative (laughs) $10,617. So they actually have a negative bank balance. Those two accounts combined, it's over over $10,000 in the red. Oops. The Clovis 500 Club's chips and use liability on August 9th, therefore, substantially exceeded both the balance of the Clovis 500 chip liability bank account and the combined balances of the chip liability account and general account. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. $1 in chips would exceed it by a wide margin. The, the combined balance is negative 10,000 something, so <laughs> even $1 they couldn't cover. On August 14, 2017, the Bureau conducted another on-site evaluation of the Clovis 500 Clubs financing and again determined that they lacked sufficient funds in their designated accounts to cover its liability. On August 16th, the Bureau again conducted an on-site evaluation, blah, 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 and uh, again, the same thing. So... It also says, on, these, on all of these three occasions, they were unable to present acceptable documentation of any alternate security for its chips and use liability that has been approved by the Bureau. So basically they're saying uh, anything that also could be shown that they had assets to cover this, they couldn't show either. So they're basically broke. So if you're holding chips from the 500 uh, Club in Clovis, you're probably not going to be able to cash them because they're broke and it doesn't look like they're going to be recovering any money because uh, they're closed and can't make any money. I guess they're making a tiny bit from the restaurant, but yeah, good luck with that. So I think they're going to lose their license. I mean, this this is a pretty egregious violation. This isn't like having six hundred thousand dollars of chips in play and you can cover five hundred thousand. This this is they they have four hundred thirty eight thousand plus out there, probably more than five hundred or six hundred k total, 
maybe even more than that, and and they can't cover any of it. They have they have less than zero in their bank accounts. So they, I, what's missing here is what they have at the cage. Obviously, there people could cash out. Obviously, people must, must have been able to go to the cage and cash out something. So that was not mentioned. But whatever it was, it obviously doesn't come close to the liability in ships. So I, I think the 500 club in Clovis is uh, going to be no longer. So even live card rooms can pull a full tilt. This is also why you never just hold on to chips, especially from a small casino. Some people like to hold on to chips and not cash them after their sessions. No, you should cash them every time. I, I suppose like a big outfit like Bellagio, you can wait, but... Most of the other ones I, I would cash out. Because if one of these casinos goes under and they're bankrupt, uh, good luck ever getting paid. You never will. And that's pretty bad. <laughs> You're holding a live casino's chips and they can't pay you. This famously happened to Binion's in uh, 2004, I believe. And uh, Becky Binion, who was currently running it, uh, was very frustrated. She pretty much ran Binion's into the ground, and they were closed down by the Nevada Gaming Commission because they could not cover the chips in play, and they were very distressed there, and they decided they were just going to sell it. So Becky Binion put it for sale, and they found a buyer in, yes, Harris. Harris bought... Binions, because they wanted a certain asset that Harris held, or sorry, that Binions held, called the World Series of Poker. And that is how Harris, which is now known as Caesars, owns the World Series of Poker. They basically got it for free, because they bought Binions, they took the World Series, then they sold Binions for about the same amount of money, but kept the World Series. So they basically got the World Series for free. One of the few smart things that Caesars has done. And that's now one of their most valuable assets. Pretty bright. Well, here's something that isn't pretty bright, but it definitely caused a stir. It definitely got some attention. A man who apparently had a pretty good day gambling at the Cromwell. And for those of you that don't know, the Cromwell is the former Barbary Coast and it's on the corner of uh, Flamingo and Las Vegas Boulevard. It's right across the street from Caesars. It is a sort of boutique hotel. They, they try to make it look like that, but it's owned by Caesars. And they, they sometimes try little experimental things over there. Like, for example, the only 24-hour total reward center in Las Vegas for the total rewards uh, program can be found in the Cromwell. But I, I guess a guy did pretty well gambling at the Cromwell. He may have been very drunk. But he decided to go outside of the Cromwell and make it rain $100 bills. He he threw a whole lot of $100 bills in the air for anyone to get if they could get to the first. <laughs> Now, can you imagine what pandemonium that caused? Can you imagine in Vegas, you're just walking down the street outside the Cromwell and a guy is tossing $100 bills in the air? Do you think there might be a stampede? you think there might be uh, a big rush to get all that? Well, there was. 
So fights broke out outside of the Cromwell. And let me get it. I'm trying to find the article here. I had it up, but I lost it. Ah, this isn't a good start here. I, I had it. Let me find it again. Here we are. So a man was throwing a stack of hundred dollars in the bills in the air in front of the Cromwell at about four a.m. on Monday. What was it? Uh, Monday, August twenty seventh. Only a few days ago, four a.m. Monday. It's a very early Monday, Monday, like a Sunday night, Monday morning. 4 a.m., he's standing outside the Cromwell and just tossing $100 bills in the air. About 1,000 people descended upon the money. Somehow at 4 a.m., still there were 1,000 people out there that saw it and ran over there. And a chaotic scene broke out with fighting, actual fist fighting, and police and ambulances rushed over there to try to get this under control. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Lieutenant David Gordon said, as you might expect, it caused quite the commotion. (laughs) Uh, He said that officers had to be taken from other metro area commands to help subdue the crowd. Police also had to direct traffic and keep Las Vegas Boulevard open despite the massive brawl. So there's like a thousand people fighting and somehow they're keeping the street open. They need traffic on Las Vegas Boulevard to keep moving. Uh, That's the second day in a row there was a problem at the Cromwell. The day before it was evacuated, there were reports that there was a shooting there, which turned out to be false. It's kind of weird. So they had to run over again for something that was not false. Um, There's actually some footage that was captured by someone. Um, Oh, sorry, that that was from the day before about the uh, people evacuating from the what they thought were uh, gunshots. But, uh, yeah, like a thousand, a thousand people were fighting over the $100 bills being thrown in the air. It, it does not say how much total was rained down upon the strip. I, I assume the guy was standing at street level. It's, and it, it's, it's possible he could have been doing it from above. There are walkways above. He could have been dropping them, but I'm, I'm guessing he was just standing there tossing them in the air. And I, I wonder what the total was, but okay. If you saw a guy doing that, and there was a crowd of people there, Trader Ruski, would you enter that crowd to try to get the these hundred dollar bills, or would you steer, steer clear of it? I'm not. I'm not talking about it after the fighting took place. Like if you saw it starting, and a crowd is running over, would you steer clear, or would you run into to try to get some of these hundreds? I would probably take a pass on that one, unless it's been a real bad night. <laughs> yeah. If I was one of the first ones there, and it was clear that this guy was giving away his money, he wasn't just dropping it or whatever, if it was really to be given away in that f- format, and I was one of the first ones there, I would I would grab what I could and run. But uh, I would never enter an existing crowd fighting over it. Even if I were broke, I would not do this. I mean, that's just... Uh, that's asking for trouble. You can get trampled to death. That... I mean, it's not just 
th- like throwing a, a bunch of ones could cause this, but a, a hundreds, I, I can only imagine, because each bill is worth so much. Somehow there were only two arrests in this whole thing. It doesn't say what for. Probably for the fighting. And I don't believe the guy making it rain was arrested. In fact, I don't even think that's illegal. But yeah, only two people were arrested in that brawl of a thousand people. Weird. Police must have had some time stopping that one. I guess they stopped the guy, then they stopped the brawl. But the problem is there's like money that people are already fighting over. And then like people are going to want to still fight because if you have a few of these hundreds in your hand and then some guy like shoves you down and takes your money, you're going to want to take it back from him. And then, you know, a big brawl is going to – you can imagine how this spirals completely out of control. So only in Las Vegas would a guy be tossing $100 bills in the air at 4 in the morning. What night of the week was it? Monday. It was Sunday night, Monday morning. 4 a.m. Monday. Wow. This past Monday. Right in front of the Cromwell. I wonder if Caesar should make this like a new promotion for uh, Seven Stars. I know. Imagine if it was like a Saturday night at like 1 a.m. Yeah. I know. Why didn't this guy choose to do it at like prime hours? That would would have really been nuts. Yeah. What about on New Year's? What about like on New Year's when you have a crowd out there anyway? If a guy did that. I have to imagine people would die from that. The, the trampling. I wonder what this guy's liability would be. Let's say he went out there on New Year's at uh, 11.30 p.m. On, on December 31st. And then just, just like tossed tons of $100 bills in the air. In, in a giant crowd. And then, predictably, everyone went crazy. And then people got trampled to death. And like 10 people died. Okay, Let's say that happened. Would the guy throwing the bills be held responsible in any way? Could he be criminally charged in any way? I don't think so, but maybe. Well, he might be able to be charged for, you know, public disruption or something yeah. like that. Murder or... Or manslaughter. You know, I, I, I don't think so. Manslaughter, I doubt that's happening. Yeah. But it's not a good idea to enter the the fray on those type of things. Once once the people see it and have crowded over there, It's even if you get your hand on one of the hundreds and keep it, it's not worth it. If you, if you get beaten to the point that you need... Uh, $10,000 worth of medical attention, getting a $100 bill is not worth it. All right. And that, that $100 is very meaning, much more meaningful probably to most of the people listening, the people were, that were going after it. So, Yeah. All right. So let's go to the next weird story. That was one of the weird stories of the week. Actually, before I go on, I want to tell you about uh, something else that Cromwell is doing, unrelated to tossing $100 bills in the air. Though maybe if you listen to this segment, you'll have more $100 bills to toss. And this is actually thanks to John Mahaffey, who runs, uh, I think it's uspoker.com. I'm actually reading one of his other sites right now called, uh, on, this is not a very good URL, onlineunitedstatescasinos.com. But... Uh, that's where I'm reading this. John Mahaffey, is, uh, he lives in Vegas. Uh, he's a married guy. I think he's kind of around my age. And he goes around casinos, mainly in Vegas, but also other places near Vegas, and, and constantly reports on the conditions there. And he's, he's very knowledgeable. He's very – usually if he writes something, it's true. It's very rare he makes a mistake. He knows what to look for. He knows what a good game is and what a bad game is. He, know, he understands gambling laws and, and what's, uh, you know, what's standard, what's not standard. So – uh, he's a very good reporter on the casinos, and 
I, I trust very much the type of things he writes, and I have respect for him. Anyway, he noticed that the Cromwell that they are trying some experiments with better games. Now, for quite some time, as I've mentioned even on a, a very recent show, I think maybe as recently as last week, they are degrading games, degrading pay tables in Vegas because they don't want to appeal to the more knowledgeable gambler. They want the recreational gambler who doesn't care if they're playing 6-5 to five blackjack or if they're playing video poker with poor pay tables. They want the people who just want to gamble and don't really care what the odds are and don't really care what the casino hold is or where the casino edge is. And, in fact, the ones that do know what the casino edges are and do know how to look for the good game, they don't really want those customers. Even if they have an edge over them, they don't think it's big enough of an edge, so they they just kind of want to steal, steer clear of them. That's That's been the newer theory in uh, Vegas casino management. But the Cromwell is trying something different. And I, I really do believe, because the Cromwell is the smallest of their properties, and when I say there, I mean Caesar's properties in, in, in Vegas, and because it's a newer property, I, I think they're willing to try experimental things over there. In fact, if you remember that, uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, the, the 100 times odds... Uh, craps was put over there. And that uh, that was something that Caesars had never run before. So they, they try experiments like that over there because they know there's not going to be a lot of foot traffic there. They can get a, a, a smaller scale view of things that are happening without having any kind of major impact on their business. So they've actually decided to improve the odds on some of their games and see if it makes a difference. Now, you may say, why would they do that? Why, why would they make the odds better for the player? Wouldn't that mean they make less money? Well, yes, but they're tossing around the possibility that maybe people have abandoned playing at some of these casinos because they either lose too much or they're just wise to that these games suck. So let's say you're used to 3-2 to two blackjack. 3-2 to two meaning you get paid... Uh, $3 for every $2 you wager when you make a blackjack. So, if, for example, if you play $50 blackjack and you hit a blackjack, you should be getting $75 if it's a 3-2 to two machine, but if it's uh, not machine, 3-2 uh, to two, uh, game, 3-2 to two table, but if it's a 6-5 to five table, you'd only get $60. So that's a huge difference. It may not sound like much, but it's a huge difference when you're only getting paid 6-5. to five. You should never, never play a 6-5 to five blackjack game. If you see 6-5, to five, you should get up and leave. You'll never beat it. You may beat it in one session, but it, it, they have a big edge on you. You should never play 6-5. to five. Anyway, the reason they might be considering changing or at least offering some 3-2 to two offerings that they weren't before is because some people may see 6-5 to five and say, oh, I don't want to be paid 6-5. to five. That sucks. I'm not playing this. Screw it. I'm not, I'm not going to gamble. I'm just not going to play blackjack. I want to play blackjack. I'm not going to play because I, I don't see a 3-2 to two game at the limit I want to play. There are some 3-2 to two games still in Vegas and on the Strip and even at Caesars Properties, but they tend to be higher limits. So the lower limit games are all 6-5, to five, and they are deciding that they're going to, uh, to put back some 3-2 to two games at the Cromwell and see how they do. So the Cromwell now has more than 20 3-2 blackjack games on their floor, including the entire front table game pit. Now, there are still a few 6-5 to five tables in the back of the casino, but uh, in fact, they weren't even open when John Mahaffey visited. But all of the, So all of the blackjack that was run on that night were paying 3-2. to two. And 
he actually found tables there as low as $10 minimum, which is pretty low these days. So they had uh, eight deck shoes that paid three to two on blackjack and even had favorable rules such as doubling down after splitting and offering surrender. And uh, then there was uh, he found a fifteen dollar double deck game that also paid three to two, but uh, they didn't allow double after split, and they had no surrender. So they also have a hundred dollar uh, blackjack game that's a six deck shoe in the high limit pit, and they stand on all seventeens instead of hit seventeens, and they also have double down a surrender, but. Uh, that's a hundred dollar minimum, so most of you probably wouldn't want to play that. But that that part's not unusual. They they still offer in a lot of casinos good blackjack games at a hundred dollar minimum. But to find a three to two game, and even one with good rules on a ten dollar bet, is very unusual now on the Las Vegas Strip. So if you want to play blackjack, that's actually a good place to go. Not not to count cards or anything, but uh, like the the, the eight deck shoe, you're not going to be able to count cards and uh, play a winning game. But uh, if you just want to play recreational blackjack, that's where you should go. Now, what if you're a roulette player? I, I mentioned that the Venetian was trying experiments with triple zero roulette, which is crazy. For those of you that don't know, roulette has numbers in black, numbers in red, and then there's zeros. And the zeros is where the house edge is. Because um, let, let's say you bet on red. Well, anything that lands on red, you get paid even money. If it lands on black, you lose. So if it was half red, half black, then this would be a zero-edge game, because over time you'd break even with a casino. The the edge comes in, because if it lands on zero, then a bet on black and a bet on red will lose. So originally roulette was only a single zero game. There's only one zero on the table. It was one green zero. Then to make the edge much larger, they placed a double zero as well. There's a zero, a double zero, and then the regular numbers. If it lands on either of the zeros, you lose your, your color bet. Or basically any bet except for a bet on the zeros. Then they decided to add a third zero as an experiment at the Venetian, which is really crappy. That's a massive house edge. Well, the Cromwell has gone the other way. While double zero has become basically the standard around Vegas... The Cromwell has added a zero, a single zero roulette table. Now it is a twenty-five dollar minimum bet, but this is the first time that John Mahaffey has seen, at least since two thousand fifteen, I think is the last time he saw one anywhere in Las Vegas that you could play a single zero roulette game for twenty-five dollar minimum. In fact, he said that you'd have to bet $100 minimum to find zero single zero roulette anywhere in Vegas. So he found that very unusual. So if you like roulette and you can play $25 a spin, uh, definitely go to that single zero table at Cromwell. Much, much better odds on single zero roulette than double zero roulette. You may wonder, uh, what are those odds? I will tell you. The odds on roulette... Where is this here? Damn it. I had it up. Let me let me get it back. I was going to read this to you guys, but I lost it here. 
see here. So, okay. The house edge is, uh, come on, where is this? Uh, I had it before and I can't find it. I apologize. Pretty embarrassing. I, I got to leave this stuff up somewhere. I got. Okay, I have it up and it disappears, and it makes the show sound stupid. Anyway, it's substantially better with a single zero game instead of a double zero game. So you're much much better off playing a. Uh, I think it's about double the odds if, uh, as far as what you're expected to lose. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. It's, it's 5.26 versus 2.7. So it's a 2.7% house edge if you play single zero roulette and 5.26 house edge on double zero. So that's a... A 5.26 house edge is pretty bad. So that's that's another good game they're running at the, at the Cromwell. Now, let's say you don't really like roulette. Let's say you don't really like blackjack. What if you're a craps player? Well, as I mentioned before, they have up to 100 times odds there. And odds are the only... That's the only way you can make a craps bet without a house edge. And that's after a point is established. Uh, you can basically lay odds... On uh, and, and you can multiply whatever your current bet is on uh, on when that point is made, and they will pay you at exactly what the chance is of that number hitting. So there's zero house edge. Now it's not positive expectation, but it's not negative expectation. So on those odds bets, you can bet uh, all the way up to a hundred times what your original bet was prior to to the roll. To the point being established. So the reason that's good is because if you make a hundred times odd crafts bet, then the house edge is almost nothing. The problem, however, is that if you make a hundred times odds crafts bet, then the variance is very, very high. Because your initial bet is multiplied by a hundred. So their minimum at their hundred times odds table is ten dollars. So if you do 100 times odds on a $10 bet, then you can end up betting $1,000. So yes, that's the best way to bring it almost to a zero house edge, but you're also betting over $1,000 uh, per uh, roll there. Not actually per roll, but uh, in, until the, the point's established uh, and then it's uh, either hit or sevens out. You know, it's, it's, you're basically betting 1000 per round. So, that's a lot, unless you have the bankroll to withstand that. So, betting odds to a high level, it brings on a lot of variance, and therefore you don't see many people who are betting on 100 times odds. But it's available, and it's actually a bet that if you can withstand, bankroll-wise, brings the house edge on craps to almost zero. So that's why very, very few casinos offer something like 100 times odds. Most of them stop at about 5 times odds. But what if you don't want to play craps? What if you don't want to play blackjack? And what if you don't want to play roulette? Well, there's video poker. 
the Cromwell has the best quarter video poker on the Las Vegas Strip. They have the game that's known as uh, Not So Ugly Deuces, which is called Deuces Wild, but with a pay table being uh, so good, it's a 99.73% return if you play perfectly. They have Triple Double Bonus with uh, a 99.58% return. They have the 9-6 Jacks Are Better, that classic game, a 99.54% return. Bonus Deuces Wild, a 99.45% return. And even the uh, 18.75 Joker Poker at 99.29% return. So they, these are uh, some of the games returning more than 99%, some of them substantially more than 99%. And this is with $0.25 cent per credit, so you means you can play $1.25 per hand and get these, uh, these great games. So you may say, okay, well, this is the place to earn seven stars or diamond. No. Well, maybe. I shouldn't say no. The one downside is that you have to run $50 worth of coin in to get one tier credit, where normally it's $10 to get one tier credit, which means you have to play five times as much to earn diamond or seven star than you would have to on machines that uh, earn tier credits normally. So... That requires a lot more coin in, a lot more time, and you may not want to do that. So basically, if you stick to the best game, which is the not-so-ugly deuces, the deuces wild that pays 99.73%, since you have to play five times more than you would if it uh, if it was giving tier credits for $10 per... Uh, $10 wagered then you basically have to multiply that house edge by 5 to compare it to another game. So the since the house edge is 0.27% times 5, that is 1.35%. So that means it's more like a video poker game that would be uh, 98.65%, and unfortunately that's about equivalent to the best game where they pay you... Uh, they give you one tier credit per $10 wagered, which is at uh, Planet Hollywood, the... Super double bonus, uh, or you know, super the super times pay nine five jacks or better is what that is. So it's pretty much the same either way. A little bit less variance actually doing it this way, but so it's not a wonderful way to earn diamond or seven star. Really, if you want to earn diamond or seven star through video poker, you should go to another market. Even Laughlin is better than this. Uh, actually, you know there is a there is supposedly a game at Rio where you can earn full tier credits at like a double bonus poker with this like 99.11% return, but I think it's pretty slow. I think it's maximum $1 per credit. So, since these do not give you full tier credits, I wouldn't recommend them for that purpose, but if you're just, if you just want to play video poker at a Caesars property and have the best odds, you should play these. So, That is uh, what they've changed over there. John Mahaffey is suggesting that if you like playing these games, that you should actually support the Cromwell and let the management know that you're there because the, the odds are good. Because that's the reason they're trying this. They, they're not trying to do this to be nice. They're offering these games because they want you to come there specifically for these games. They want you to say, oh, okay, I wouldn't have played before, but because you're offering these really good games, I'm going to play. They're looking to get those gamblers back who may have left for that reason. 
However, I should say that uh, the Riviera and Binion's both tried in the past to attract gamblers by putting in these type of good games. Like uh, they gave sing- you know, they had single zero roulette. They had three to two single deck blackjack, amazingly. But because they didn't market it well, the word never got out and these failed. So they, they did away with them. So John is trying to put out the word. And now I'm putting out the word now. So, yeah, uh, if, if you like playing these games, definitely play where the odds are best. Don't just say, don't, don't say hey, I, I, I'm not lucky at the crown. Well, I, I get lucky at Caesar, so I'm going to play a worse blackjack game. Or I'm going to play a worse video poker game because I'm luckier over the other, other casino. Don't do that. It's throwing money away. You need to play where the odds are best. Yeah, provided the place isn't a total shithole. I think there, there's reasons not to play where the odds are best. If it's too far, if it's too inconvenient, if if it's got a bad atmosphere, a bad element there, I understand. If the limits are wrong, that's fine. But if if you just feel like superstitious, don't do that. If if playing at the Cromwell is not a lot of trouble, you should play there if you want to play one of these games. It's okay. I want to talk about uh, something of a little bit of concern. A story that the IRS may be watching you. I wonder who's watching me now! Yes, the IRS is now watching your social media. This song by Rockwell from the 1980s with Michael Jackson singing in the background. It has come true. The IRS really is watching you. They're playing tricks on you too, like Michael Jackson said. Social media is a trap, in a way. Maybe fun. You may be tempted on social media to report everything you're doing in life. But this stuff can come back to bite you. Back in the old days, if you did stupid things, provided it did not make the news, no one would find out. A lot of people's stupid mistakes in the past have been pretty much buried because there's really no record of them that could easily be found. But social media is different where people will come out and say things which may haunt them later. You never know who's watching now or who may be watching in the future. So you always have to be careful what you post on social media, and I try to keep that in mind myself. In fact, I probably should keep more mind in that, but uh, I do keep some mind of it whenever I post something on the Internet, especially something that's publicly accessible. The IRS is not ignorant to this fact. The IRS has decided that they're going to start scanning social media to see if people are showing indications that they have income that was not reported. So, gambling income is often not reported. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. For example, let's say... You play a cash game, and you do really well. Let's say you win uh, $12,000 of the cash game. Let's say you don't cash it all out at once. Let's say you cash in, uh, you know, 
cash out about 6,000 of those chips and uh, the other 6,000 you save for later. Okay? Uh, you're not going to have to fill out any forms. The IRS will not be directly notified. There will be no record that you won this $12,000 in a cash game. And if there's no record, then uh, it's up to you to report this to the IRS. If you don't report it to the IRS, then uh, they won't know you owe taxes on it. You're technically committing tax evasion, but let's be honest, you probably won't be caught. Now, if, if you win a whole lot of money playing live and you have no other income and yet you're living a vi- very uh, high-flying lifestyle, the IRS uh, may find out about this and get to wonder. And then they may uh, call you in for an audit. And if they, if you can't show where this money's coming from, you could be uh, convicted of tax evasion. So that's a possibility. But I'm talking about just you know the the odd session there, here and there, where you do very well and never report it to the IRS. Now, of course, you're not required to report it immediately to the IRS. You report it. You're required just to keep a record of it. And then at the end of the year. If you were a net winner in gambling, to pay taxes on it. If you were a net loser or a net break-even player, you do not have to pay taxes on it. That's, that is the gambling income law in the U.S. regarding taxes. But, but let's say you did have a profitable year, and you just say, hey, you know, I'm not going to report this. I'm not going to report this 12000 I just won. I'm just, not gonna, I'm just pretend it never happened. I, I have the money, but the IRS doesn't know. They won't know, so tough luck on them. Um. If you basically keep it quiet, I mean, let's be honest here, the, the IRS probably won't know. I'm, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not advising anyone to evade taxes. I'm just telling you the reality. I'm telling you that poker players do this all the time. But if you go onto social media and post, man, you should have seen today's session. I was crushing those donkeys everywhere. Check out this cash out here, man. 12000 bucks right in my hand. Well, if the IRS sees that somehow, they can use that against you. And they may also use that as justification for why they're going to audit you. Now, they can audit you at any time with no justification, but they only choose to audit certain people, and that type of thing can be the factor or one of the factors which makes them want to audit you. And anything that you say, anything that you display that uh, is indicative that you have income that doesn't seem to match what you're claiming your income is, or if you're claiming that you made income on a certain day that you did not uh, report to them at the end of the year, uh, they may come after you for it. So, again, I'm not advising anyone to evade taxes. I'm not advising anyone to hide poker income from the IRS, but I'm just telling you that when you're posting things on social media that the IRS may very well see. Now, you may think to yourself, oh, come on, the IRS isn't going to be watching me. There, there's over 300 million people in the United States. They're, they're not going to be watching my social media. Come on, they're not going to have some IRS agent sitting here scanning my social media. Well, no, they won't, but Number one, they may have automated programs to do it. In fact, they may even have deals with in the background with companies like Facebook to do this. You never know. Uh, to just automatically scan for certain keywords, and then when the computer flags that certain people are, are posting something that would indicate 
income that they shouldn't have or that has, has not been reported, that at that point a human being takes a look. It could be something like that. Or uh, if they're already suspicious of you for some other reason, even if you're not aware they're suspicious, then they may be specifically watching your social media. The point is, uh, less information is always more when it comes to uh, matters with the IRS. Even if you're totally on board, totally legal, not dodging or evading taxes whatsoever, you still don't want to put all this out there because you're still increasing the chance that you're going to get audited, which is a pain in the ass. Even if you walk out of the audit and the IRS says, okay, everything was fine, good job, well, you've still wasted a lot of time and energy and nervousness in dealing with that audit. So nobody wants an IRS audit. Nobody says, yes, I got an IRS audit. Now I'm going to prove to them that I'm honest. No, no one says that. Even if you totally did everything on the level, it's a pain in the ass. It's something that's nerve-wracking. You don't want it. So you don't ever want to do anything that's going to lead them to want to audit you, no matter how honest you have been or think you've been. Now, and there's also times that people accidentally evade taxes where they don't realize they have to pay tax on something don't pay the tax on it, and then only find out later in an audit. So, and, and ignorance is not an excuse, by the way. So that's another problem. You may think that you're paying all the taxes you owe, and maybe there's something you're overlooking, and then you will be responsible for that if they audit you and find it. So these are all reasons to avoid an audit, and there's no point to ever make it easier on them to target you. So... What should you post on your social media and what should you not post? What if you hit a big tournament score? What if, what if you uh, hit third place in a tournament and you won uh, $145,000 in some big tournament? Am I saying that you should not go onto Facebook and announce it or brag about it to your friends? Actually, I'm not saying that. I, go ahead and brag. Why? Because the IRS will know about it. Because... The IRS is informed when you win a tournament of that size. I think it's. Uh, I think if you win more than uh, twelve hundred dollars above what the buy-in is, the IRS is informed. That's typically, I think, what they do these days. So any kind of big score like that, the IRS will be directly informed by the casino. So you're you're not getting that by them. <laughs> They're going to know. So feel free to brag to your heart's content. What about? A big cash score. Well, unless you cashed out a large amount of the cage and filled out a CTR form, which is a cash transaction record form, unless you did that, the IRS is not informed of your cash win. So you should not go onto any form of social media, including forums, and brag about this. It may be tempting. You may want to show off of how much money you won. But keep in mind, the wrong people might read it, and that might trigger an audit. I'm not saying you're going to go to prison, but uh, it may trigger an audit. You may have to produce a lot of records you don't have. You may have to be you know, basically defending yourself. and you, you may even end up paying taxes uh, you really shouldn't have had to pay just because you can't properly prove what money you lost back. See, as I said, you owe money. You owe taxes only on your net winnings for the year. So it's winnings minus losses. And if you can't prove those losses against the winnings that they know about, then you owe the taxes on the winnings. So be careful what you say you won, because then you have to prove the loss, which isn't always easy. So do not ever brag about any type of cash winnings on Facebook or on uh, 
Twitter or on a forum. Even if you think you have your, your Facebook locked down, don't do it because they may have access to that. They may have struck a deal with Facebook or one of these other social media companies to read everyone's messages. You never know. It's just better not to say it. Now, can you email your mom about it if you had a great uh, cash session and you want to show your mom that being a uh, professional poker player is okay? Yeah. They, they, no one's going to be intercepting your email. But on social media, I would stay away from bragging about any kind of cash win, whether online or live. Now, what about losses? What about losses? Is it wrong to brag about losses? Or not brag, but is it wrong to report losses? What if you had a bad day and you lost 10K at the casino, at the poker table, whatever? If you announce you lost 10K, are you putting yourself in some kind of jeopardy? Actually not. Actually not. Believe it or not, that's actually a good thing. Now, it's bad for your reputation. People may think you're a donkey. People may think you have a gambling problem. People who once admired you for being a great poker player may think the opposite, that you're actually a losing poker player. So maybe you care about, maybe you don't. But if you don't care what people think, it's actually not bad to make mention of losses because that could actually be used as a defense in an audit in the future. Now, that's not an ironclad defense because anyone could make up anything. You could just claim you lost money when you really didn't lose it. But that combined with other factors can help show that you really did lose money back. Uh, for example, if you post, oh man, I had an awful day, I just lost 10K at this, uh, at this 1020 game I played. All right, that 1020 game I played at Commerce, okay? So then the IRS audits you one day, and, and among the losses you claim that offset your wins, you mention that one day where you lost 10000 And they say, okay, well, what proof you really lost that 10000 Well, you can show them the post you made at the time complaining about it, and if you remember who you played with that day, you can actually get them to make a statement on your behalf that they saw you basically getting your butt kicked at the table. <laughs> so, and, and believe it or not, that actually can help. Uh, the IRS actually requires that you maintain some kind of records, either handwritten or, or in a spreadsheet or whatever, of your gambling activities. So if you win, you're supposed to record the amount of the win and uh, where it was and the circumstances of it. And same with the losses. And like the losses, you're supposed to say who you remember playing with. It doesn't have to be super detailed, but but the more the better. So this way, if the losses are questioned, you could say, oh, I was playing with such and such person. You can ask him. He saw me lose a whole lot that day. And then they may actually contact that person. And the person says, oh, yeah, I, I saw him get killed that day. Well, okay, then that's, uh, that may be good enough for them. So, so talking about losses can't hurt you because there are two things. First of all, uh, it can offset any claims of wins or any wins they know about. And second, uh, it will make you look like a compulsive gambler who's probably an overall loser, even if you're not. Now, I'm not saying to deceive the IRS. I'm not saying to claim you're losing when you're really not. But I'm saying that, if anything, those type of posts will distract them away from wanting to audit you as a winning gambler rather than uh, make them want to audit you. However, if you claim you're losing too much then it would bring up the question of where's all that money coming from that you're losing. So if you're unemployed 
if you don't seem to have any income coming in, and you, you're, you're constantly complaining about losing money gambling, and it seems like you've lost $700,000 gambling this year with no income, uh, the IRS may wonder about that. Where's that money coming from? So, for example, if you're making that money drug dealing, and then you lose it gambling, you still owe taxes on it. So they may be interested in that too. So uh, definitely don't make up losses that you're not uh, actually losing, but uh, don't be shy about stating losses. It doesn't have to be every single loss, but uh, it's it's much better. Yeah, but even that, Druff, I don't know if I'd recommend that because you don't want to bring attention that you're a poker player playing at that those stakes or with the, that money. Like I'd say if you haven't posted yet, then it's – then putting a post on about a $10,000 loss could hurt you if they have algorithms that they're running with Facebook. I agree with that. that that's a good point. That if, if you're under the radar, even as a poker player at all, that you shouldn't uh, open that can of worms. If you're already a known poker player, already uh, or they already have a lot of uh, um, tournament receipts that are uh, tournament W-2 forms that are being sent uh, to them by the... Uh, by the casinos, then fine. They know you're a poker player. That's You're not giving them any new information. But yeah, if, it, if it's really not well known that you're a poker player who's, who's been playing for fairly big money, uh, yeah, th- that, that will just uh, put you on their radar. So yeah, I, I agree with that. If, you're, if you, you kind of are an under-the-radar poker player, it's probably best to stay under the radar. That, that, that is true. So it, it's just with information of any kind, I'm not just talking about things related to taxes, Usually less is more as far as what you put out about yourself. And this applies to a lot of things in life. That uh, you know, when filling out forms and they, they ask you a lot of intrusive questions. What's your income? Uh, where do you work? What's the phone number and address of where you work? Well, you've you got to look and say, okay, what's the point? Why, why am I answering these questions? Why do they need to know this? If they don't need to know it, leave it blank or put fake information. So only give information of what is really necessary in all aspects of life. And this is one of them. And it may be tempting to brag when you win, and it may make you feel good when people congratulate you for how well you've, you've been crushing the cash games recently, but keep in mind, uh, th- there could be some kind of algorithm scanning social media posts to see if it can identify gamblers. In fact, this has already been happening in other countries. I think Sweden was doing this. So... Be careful. Social media is also being used to evaluate potential candidates for jobs. So someone applies for a job and you know, they're, they're generally liked at the interview and everything seems good. They, they will Google a person and see what they can find. That's why sometimes when people will come to me and say, hey, can you remove my real name from Poker Fraud Alert? And uh, you know, If it's not a scammer, like a scammer, I'll, I will not do it unless they made everything right and haven't reoffended in a while but uh just like some let's just say some guy posting on my forum uh you know his name was posted out there and there was there's flaming back and forth and uh you know a, a lot of uh, embarrassing stuff was said and they they don't want this scene well i'll remove their name i'll do that for them because i i don't want to have my forum ruin anyone's potential uh job prospects because they posted silly things on the forum or because trolls uh, uh, you know, posted their name with, with derogatory things there. So I'll, I'll do that for people. So your name does get Googled by potential employers. And much like that, uh, social media can ruin you, you know, 
where you could have gotten a job if it wasn't for embarrassing things on your social media. Same thing with the IRS that uh, they could be finding information on there that could be used against you. So just just be careful. Just whenever you post anything about money you've won or big purchases you've made, that's another thing. Be careful bragging about very big purchases that uh, wouldn't otherwise be uh, known right away. Uh, you know, expensive jewelry, expensive cars, etc., etc. You brag too much about that stuff and it doesn't match the income that the IRS has been seeing, uh, that could be a problem too. So, again, I want to make it very clear I'm not advising people here to ev- to evade taxes and I'm not giving you suggestions to evade taxes. I'm, I'm giving you suggestions to uh, keep your chances of being audited lower. And that's something that's good for even the people who are very honest on their taxes. I personally don't post at all, typically, about my wins and losses in poker, except in uh, tournaments where it's it's public record. And that's, that's for a lot of reasons. Um, I don't like posting about losses because it's depressing. Uh, I don't want people getting the wrong idea that I'm like a compulsive gambler or, or, or a losing player. Like I, I don't want people to think the wrong thing about me with the loss side of things. And as far as the, the winning side of things, uh, there's a few reasons I don't post that. Number one, uh, I don't want people hitting me up for loans. Number two... I don't want people to think I'm bragging. When, when people are struggling financially, when people are just barely getting by, like on your Facebook friends list, they're, they're barely making rent, they're, they're barely getting things paid, they're, they, they're unemployed, and then you're, you're bragging about all the money you're making playing poker, they may even like it on Facebook and say congratulations, but deep inside they're kind of jealous and pissed off. They, they don't like you rubbing this in their face. So I just find it's kind of rude and bad form to brag like that. It's not like winning a tournament. A tournament's a different story because that's like a it's like winning a contest. It's it's almost like winning a sporting event where saying, hey, I just won this, that's 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 a little bit of a different story. But just winning money playing cash uh I I tend to not say anything about it. And in fact, uh as I've mentioned before, you'll have a very hard time on this radio show discerning whether I had a good or bad week in poker from how I act on the show. I don't even talk about it on the show usually. So, that, that's what I would advise. Just just keep it to yourself. You, know, you can tell your people who are close to you, your friends, your relatives, your girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, but uh, just don't brag about it where everybody can see. It can only be trouble. So here's here's a, a weird thing that happened at the lottery. This is a weird story. <laughs> uh, in New Jersey, they came up with a, a cute little lottery game. You know, these, these lottery scratchers, they try to come up with a little theme. So it makes the game more fun. These scratchers tend to have pretty bad odds, too, just like all these lottery games do. So they want to at least make it fun for the people who play. So they came up with one called High Card Poker. Seems like a very simple game. You scratch the dealer's hand off at the top. And whatever that hand is, is the hand you have to beat. And you have eight chances to beat it on one ticket. So you scratch all eight. And if any of them beat the dealer's hand, then you get a prize. 
And the prize is next to each of those eight hands. You scratch off prize, and if you beat the dealer's hand, then whatever the prize is revealed to be, then you win that prize. The prizes would range from $5 to $150,000. This game opened in... uh, It opened this month. uh, Sometime... I don't have the exact date. Sometime in August 2017. They started this game. They printed over 4 million tickets. Seemed like a there's a fun little lottery game to play. So, an individual, his name is uh, Robert Chalet. He thought that uh, he won enough money to buy a chalet because he scratched off the dealer's hand at the top and saw it was Queen Ten Seven Six Four. So it was Queen High. With a ten seven six four kicker, so basically, if you uh, could beat Queen ten seven six four in any five card hand, you would win the prize next to it. So I have to think. Of course, these are not randomly dealt; like it, it could be anything. The, 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 it's whatever way the lottery feels like printing it. But still, you you, just, you scratch off eight hands, and if one of those beats Queen ten Queen ten seven six four, you win. So uh, he scratched off the hands, and he saw that indeed he beat it. He scratched off a Queen Jack 965. So, Queen Jack 965 definitely beats Queen 10 So he had Queen Jack high versus Queen 10 high. So, he won. So what did he win? Did he win uh, $5, $10, $100? No. He won $150,000. That's what it said the prize was. So, Robert Chalet thought that he was 150k richer. He was thrilled. He went down to collect his winnings to the office of the New Jersey Lottery. And they then told him the bad news. He actually uh, did not win. Trader Ruski, can you guess why he did not win? No clue. Yeah, I, I had no clue either. And he had no clue. That even though his queen-jack high did beat the queen-ten high, that this was oh, not... jacks or something, minimum or right, something? Right, right. There is a minimum hand that uh, um, that if the game's rules state, and it's not made clear at all, the game's rules state in the fine print that if neither player has a pair, that the player's high card must be better than the dealer's high card. And if it's a tie, then you don't win. So basically the kickers don't play. So since he didn't have a pair and the dealer didn't have a pair, then you just take the first card, which are both queens, and they tied, which means he doesn't win. Can you imagine? So he was furious about this. He was saying that this this is misleading. They should pay him anyway. They said, nope, those are the rules. Read the rules. Tough luck. And uh, they said, don't worry, though. We understand your plight. We will give you a consolation prize. Uh, here is $10. <laughs> Seriously, they, they gave him $10 after he thought he won 150k because of their super confusing and poorly designed game here. Like, w- Would it have been that hard just to print tickets to where the high hand wins? Like, again, this is not random. They, they just print a certain number of tickets that win each prize as they've set out. Like, they set out a certain number of winners at each level. And then they just print out uh, the tickets properly 
So you scratch off and it wins. That, that's the way it's done. It's, this is not like a random number generator. So why couldn't they have just done that? Why, why have these crazy rules that if uh, if neither of you have a pair, then then uh, your high card has to beat the dealer's high card or you don't win? Like, what an obscure, weird rule. So he was furious about this, as were others who thought they won and didn't, because obviously his situation was not unique. So, the game started, here's, here's the date, they, the game started on August 7th. On August 10th, they decided to uh, recall the rest of the tickets that had not been sold, and the game was ended. <laughs> the New Jersey Lottery said, after you know, shutting down the game after just three days, given the inconsistency between the actual game rules and the win scenarios and traditional poker rules, in order to av- avoid any further player confusion based upon this inconsistency, New Jersey Lottery discontinued the sale of high-card poker instant game on August 10th. What a bunch of freaking idiots. I can't believe they call it high-card poker, because that kind of, you would think that the highest card, you know, like like deuce or better, they could have called it or something. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that kind of, you know, if it's high-card poker, oh, I got the highest cards. Right. You know? Oh, I would have been furious if this happened to me. I, I would have been so thrilled to see this i would not even have thought it's possible i didn't win this (laughs) to go down and find out that you didn't win because of this weird rule that makes no sense and it was nowhere on the front of the thing uh let me see you had to read the five let me see i'm trying i'm trying i I see one ticket here i'm blowing it up here i Uh, just can't imagine that they do something so stupid uh i i I, the ticket i have is kind of blurry but i i don't see anything clear about this it may be on there somewhere, but it's not obvious, and it's confusing. Even if it is there, like it's, it's confusing. Like, okay, you you have to make a pair, otherwise your high, your, your high card has to be the dealer's high card. I mean, it, it gets well, right. confusing. But, but it could say something like a pair to, is required to win. I mean, that would be something they could put, like, so you could see it. Yeah. So it was the first day he bought it. Yeah, and and oh, here's I would have thought there, there would have been lines around the door. People collect. Yeah, well, there's, it was only open for three days. This whole thing, right. and then uh, also, um, it turned out that they halted the game. That uh, they halted the game before really any of the big prizes had been won, and it turned out that uh, the largest prize that was given away was a twenty five hundred dollar prize. They gave away a single twenty five hundred dollar prize. That was it before the game was over. So. Probably made some good money on this too. So that that was a big mess. That's crazy. <laughs> what a bunch of idiots! How do you design a game like I want, that? I wonder if anybody did hit the hundred and fifty k in the three days. Uh, th- well, I, I'm saying that uh, nobody did. Oh, nobody won. Any yeah, no, nobody, money. nobody. The, the, there was one twenty five hundred dollar prize actually won. The rest, uh, everybody won less than twenty five hundred. Wow. Yeah. They made a killing. Yep. Uh, so uh, this is a, a very weird story from a poker room. <laughs> very, very weird story. So I, I'm sure all of you have sat next to players before without very good hygiene. Poker players are known to not shower very much. They're known to spend days and days at the casino without ever changing their clothes. And You, you know what I'm talking about. People... At the poker table, a lot of times they they're not considerate as far as their personal hygiene and and how they smell, and they just figure, hey, I'm here, I'm playing poker, screw everybody else, I don't care. Uh, 
So someone took this to an extreme, and I don't even know how this happened, but a player at the Cincinnati Jack Casino, and I think that used to actually be the Horseshoe Cincinnati. It used to be a Harris property, but it's now a Jack Casino. He was playing in the poker room there. And uh, something rather unusual happened. Uh, This is a, a guy from Kentucky whose first name was Tyler, but uh, didn't uh, identify himself further. He actually talked to Fox 19 News in Cincinnati. This Tyler is from uh, Danville, Kentucky, about two hours away from Cincinnati where he played. And he said that he was thrown out of the poker game because... They accused him of crapping his pants. (laughs) Now, this occurred during a $1,000 free money giveaway in the poker room, some kind of promotion where you could win $1,000. And he somehow won it twice. And so he's up $2,000 on the free money giveaway. And... Shortly after that, while he got to keep the $2,000, they told him that uh, he needs to leave because players complained that he smelled bad and that they had evidence that he had crapped his pants. Now, now how did they know he crapped his pants? Well, evidence? I want to see. So supposedly, uh, he, he went to use the bathroom and customers saw him throwing his underwear into the trash. <laughs> and, and, that, and that he smelled that basically he smelled like shit. So the, the guy smells like shit. He goes in the bathroom, tosses his underwear in the trash. I don't know if anyone examined the underwear in the trash, but uh, the customers complained, and uh, and they threw him out. And uh, they they also said there was a stain on his pants that was indicative that that he, that he had crapped his pants. Uh, he, I hope they threw that chair away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's, that's a good point. Uh, so, he claimed, Tyler claims that the reason they threw him out was because he had already won twice in that contest, and that they didn't want him to win any more of the money. They were afraid he may win a third time, and uh, therefore they made up the story that he had crapped his pants when in reality he had not. Uh, a representative from Jack Casino in Cincinnati said that they have visual evidence to prove he really did crap his pants, but they're not allowed to release it without a court order. <laughs> I mean, is this great or what? <laughs> they have visual evidence that he crapped his pants, but they're, they're, they're not going to release it to the media without a court order. So his, his, his shit-stained underwear is, is safe until the court says that it's not. Uh, they did release a statement. Jack Cincinnati Casino's top priority is to continuously provide a clean and sanitary environment to the three, 3 million guests that visit the property annually. Now, Tyler is still very bitter about this. He told Fox News 19 that he's considering all of his options. He said they have to have some type of punishment. They have to have some type of humiliation themselves if they falsely accuse someone of pooping their pants that did not. This was beyond strange. So he needs to he feels he needs to humiliate the Jack Casino back after humiliating him. You, you can't just go around falsely accusing someone of pooping their pants, he says. Uh, he also took a photo of his pants, would you believe? 
and provided it to Fox News, or Fox 19 News. This is not the Fox News on cable. Uh, the photo of his pants that I see here, uh, it's not even worth sharing. It just, it just looks like a, the inside of a normal pair of pants without any stains on it. So the problem is you don't know if this is the actual pair of pants. He could have just gotten a clean pair and showed it to them. So uh, it's hard for me to believe looking at this pair of pants that uh, that's the same pants. Because if, if you really crapped your pants enough to where you had to throw away your underwear, it's going to get on your pants. There's, there's no way for it not to get on your pants. So I, mean, I guess maybe he could have washed them or something. But I, I don't believe these are the pants as is when he left the casino. Uh, I, I have to say... When he, when he says this is, a, this is a very strange story, it is. And I, I have to say that there must have been people complaining that he smelled like shit and that they uh, they had seen this. And then the security came over and saw some stain on his pants that looked indicative of someone who would crap their pants and throw away their, their underwear. And uh, probably told him to leave. So, again, they didn't take any money from him. He got to keep the 2000 he won in that promotion. He just... Uh, is mad that uh, that this happened, even though his name hasn't gotten out. So that uh, that's one of the stranger stories I've seen. I think Caesars is probably happy at this point that they don't own this property anymore. They're probably uh, very relieved that <laughs> this this is not on their hands. This is uh, one good reason to sell the property. Listen to this. This, this is the news report. Where is it here? Hold on. Hang on. They actually, <laughs> the TV station actually covered this like it's a big story. Okay, well, I guess we're covering it too, so I can't. I can't really blame the TV station in uh, Cincinnati because they accused him of pooping in his pants. But he says that never happened, and he was kicked out because he was winning. That's right, Michael Baldwin. Here with the story you will only see on Fox 19. <laughs> can you hear this, Trainer Ruski? Can you hear this? Was that? Could you hear what I was playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, here. Okay, 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 okay. I like how they're treating like a news, sto- uh, a serious news story. <laughs> and we can only see it there. It's an exclusive. You can only see his shit-stained pants here on Fox 19 News. And these guys have like a total straight face too. It's like the tip. It's, it's, it's a it's a white, short-haired blonde reporter and and a black guy, and they both look really serious, like they're reporting on a plane crash. And then there's like a, yep. and then he's a serious-looking reporter in in front of the Jack Casino, who also looks very serious, a bald black guy. And what do you say? Did he say pooped his pants? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this again. This is <laughs> this is hilarious. Casino customer said he was kicked out because they accused him of pooping in his pants. But he says that never happened, and he was kicked out because he was winning. That's right, Michael Baldwin. Here with the story you will only see on Fox 19 now. Yeah, the customer says he got over here at Jack Casino around 4 a.m., he said he felt humiliated by the staff when he was questioned about pooping in his pants. Imagine being assigned to this story. <laughs> how, how do you get a serious oh job in, in journalism after this? Okay, let me go out here. Some of the funniest, trippiest, craziest stuff ever. Oh, this is him. This is, this is Tyler. Okay, I, I hadn't watched this yet. He, he's wearing uh, uh, like a red shirt. He's got a beard. He looks like he's in his 20s. So... Here we go. It's fair to say this guy, who asked us not to use his last name, had a real crappy day when he visited Jack <laughs> Casino early this morning. <laughs> Is this real? Oh, boy. Okay, so 
Uh, first of all, why is this guy not giving his last name if he's appearing on TV? Why, why is he afraid of humiliation if he's actually calling the news station to report that he is accused of shitting his pants? Tyler tells are, are they making... What was that? Are they fuzzing his face at all? No, you can totally see him. <laughs> okay, here we go. Poker. The casino had a $1,000 giveaway, which he won twice. As he waited to enter the contest for a third time, he had to go to the bathroom. He tells me he was in there for less than a minute. When he came out, he said he was confronted by security. Before I get to my seat, um, he get he sir, 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 sir. And he brings me over, and he brings me over to him, and he said, uh, um, did, did, you have a, did you have an accident in the bathroom? <laughs> the casino alleges that Tyler was seen by three customers discarding his underwear after pooping in them. He explains his encounter with them. He said, I have, I, have visual, I have visual evidence of the contrary to what you're saying. And for hygienic reasons, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And at this point, that's telling me that I have, in my head, I envision a football, a, a brown football, that oval shape on my butt crack. The casino. What is he talking about? Like a a brown football in his butt crack. It's very simple. If you're not, if you're totally innocent here, if you didn't crap your pants and you didn't throw your underwear away, it's very simple. You go, okay, look, I'm wearing underwear. Here's my underwear. I didn't throw anything away. Look, it is here. Like you don't have to pull your pants down. You just, uh, you just, you know, quickly pull up your, you know, your pants a little bit so they can see the band of your underwear. Show you're still wearing it. You didn't throw it away. These guys who complained about you were literally full of shit. And that's that. But what's this about a football? And I, I don't get what he's trying to say. What was he saying about the fo- football shaped in his pants, I thought he said. Yeah, that's what I don't understand that either. It's something about, I think he's trying to say that there would be a football-shaped brown spot in his pants if he did. I, I don't know what he's trying oh, to say. Whatever it is, <laughs> like he, did, he didn't deny it. He didn't say, no, I did not throw my underwear away. They, they're lying about this. I never did this. He doesn't say that because he probably did. He probably did throw his underwear away. Right, because he was going to win the drawing for a third time in a row, which is, you know, like astronomical odds. Yeah, and, and, so, and why would they be that afraid of him winning again? Like, I, I would think they would actually be... Why would they care who, why would they care who won? I would think this would be a good promotion, I mean, without the shitting in his pants stuff. Like, if a, the same guy won it three times, they could say, hey, this could be you next time. Yeah, now all of a sudden you can promote it as a $3,000 prize. Yeah, so, it's so easy to win. A guy won it three times, and he shit his pants. He was so happy he shit his pants. They should they could, they could incorporate this into the promotion. Win so much money, you're going to shit your pants. Get <laughs> a marketing plan. Yeah, when, when the, like, yeah, like when the Cromwell had the guy throw the $100 bills out because they were increasing the, you know, making the uh, machines better. You know, he should have done that there. He should have shit his pants uh, in that crowd. They would have dispersed real quickly. He would have gotten all the money. Yeah, he would have been able to walk around slowly, pick up all the money. <laughs> the police would have been saying, what? what's going on here? This guy's throwing up $100 bills, and there's no one around picking it up. There's just this one guy. Oh, okay, we get it. All right, here, let's hear the rest of this. Released a statement which reads, Jack Cincinnati Casino's top priority is to continuously provide a clean and sanitary environment to the three million guests that visit the property annually. So I asked Tyler a simple question. Did he poop in his pants? (laughs) No! (laughs) Hell no! He sent us these photos which he said he took right after the incident. Tyler told us he thinks he got the boot because they didn't want him to win any more money. 
So they claimed he had a poop stain on his pants. By the way, the, the pants he's sending, he sent them, the pictures, these look very clean. They look almost new. They're, they're wrinkled. They look like they either uh, have been through the wash or like haven't been worn. Like it's very very clean looking pants. They, they look they look far cleaner than the pants I'm wearing right now. Okay, I'll give you that. And I and I did not crap in my pants during the show. I'll bet. I wonder if this reporter is going to use this like in his reel when he's getting his next. Year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to apply to to work on like uh, uh, the CNN or something and go. This 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 is my best work. There you go. Exactly. Hey, if it happens again, who are they going to get to cover it? <laughs> I was like, man, this is really weird what you're telling me right now. <laughs> the casino says they do have visual evidence, but they can't release it because of legal reasons. Tyler said the reason he's coming forward is because he wants to make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, live in Cincinnati, Michael Baldwin, Fox 19. Now. Michael, thank you. <laughs> Michael, thank you. Yeah, I like, uh, I like. How he wants to make sure it doesn't happen to others. Well, the, the way you can make sure it doesn't happen is uh, there's a few things you can do. You can take some Imodium pills before you play poker. You can uh, excuse yourself and go to the bathroom if you have to take a crap while you're playing poker. Uh, you can just hold it. You can go to the bathroom before you play poker. Uh, there's a lot of ways to avoid it. Uh, the crapping your pants and then trying to complain about being kicked out is not going to really do a lot. Yeah, it's not like he's at the dice table and they had like a 45-minute roll. <laughs> and it's justifiable. Yeah. He, he should take inspiration from me. I once played 26 hours at Commerce without missing a hand. And uh, admittedly, I didn't have to poop during those 26 hours. But uh, yeah, if I did, I, I would have broken the streak and gone. So the nastiest thing I have, I mean, if that did happen, it's not probably the same ballpark, but this one guy, this guy used to play in like the 2550 game at uh, at Hustler, and he used to like fly in from somewhere in Texas. I guess he probably did business there, but this guy was just the worst player, had a ton of money. So one one time we're there, and he had like this huge zit on the back of his neck, and he keeps fucking like playing with it and trying to, I mean, it was just so, and then it it's so nasty, and he's touching the cards. And I finally told, you know, one of the, I said, again, it was, I didn't want to get this guy out of the game, but it's just like, Jesus. Next thing you know, it just popped like a fucking oh, volcano. Geez. <laughs> and, was, and he's got a napkins, and it was just, I just left. I couldn't take it. I hope nobody's eating during this, this show and this segment, or they're, they're not going to want to finish. All right. It was horrible. Anyway, that's my worst story. <laughs> Okay, so here's another odd story involving a poker player. This one's even more disturbing, if you can imagine. Not not as gross. Well, gross in a different way, but not as uh, visually gross. A poker-playing priest claimed that he was punishing God when he was caught with child porn. He said that uh, because of all the bad beats he's been taking... He downloaded child porn in order to punish God for giving him these bad beats. This priest's name is Kevin Gugliotta. 
not related, presumably, to the uh, basketball player Tom Gugliotta, who used to play for the Timberwolves. But uh, Kevin Gugliotta was from New Jersey, and uh, he was sentenced already to between 11 and a half and 23 and a half months in prison for possession of child pornography. Now, uh, I, I wouldn't put it past him to have molested any kids in real life, but they didn't have any evidence of that. They only uh, have evidence that he down, that he uploaded child porn into an internet chat room and that he did so from his apartment in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so a lot of times they'll put uh, undercover officers in these rooms or they'll the, the government will actually have taken over chat rooms that are frequented by pedophiles and then they'll capture their IPs and and uh and get them. So that's basically what they did here. I don't have the full details, but uh he uploaded, not downloaded porn to uh and it's easier to get someone uploading because downloading people can have excuses. People can say I didn't realize what I was getting. I clicked on the wrong link. I uh you know, I thought it was adults. I thought it was adults pretending to be kids, you know, blah blah blah. But but uploading you can't really have an excuse. When you you upload, "Hey, I'm uploading such and such thing of of uh you know, 10-year-olds having sex or 10-year-old having sex with an adult, whatever sick stuff there is." Uh there's no excuse for that. There's no way you can explain how you're doing that because obviously you know what you're uploading. You don't always know what you're downloading, but you know what you're uploading. So, he uploaded it's pretty bad. So he was arrested in New Jersey and then extradited to Pennsylvania for the court proceedings. But uh, as far as the poker is concerned, he actually uh, has played a lot of tournaments over time. Uh, taking a look at his Hendon mob, which shows his uh, tournament results, he has a very long list of caches that go all the way back to 2003, starting with uh, the Commerce Casino where he cashed in a No Limit Hold'em tournament in June 2003, and he's played a lot of different events. I cannot see evidence that uh, he's actually played the World Series in in Las Vegas, or if he has, he hasn't cashed. I see a number of uh, WSOP circuit events that he's cashed. I've seen some uh, Rio deep stacks, but uh, maybe he's not rolled enough to play the... uh, World Series, but he has cashed as recently as September 2016 in fourth place for 15885 at the $570 buy-in No Limit Tournament at Commerce in September of 2016, so about a year ago. So uh, he's his best cash ever was about 29 k and that was uh, a long time ago in the 2006 at the LA Poker Classic. He's cashed in total $202,000, which given that he's been playing for all these years, he's probably a losing tournament player. And uh, But he claimed when he was sentenced, or was sentenced or on trial, but he, you know, he admitted that he, he did this. But he claimed in his pre-sentencing testimony that he was punishing God out of revenge because God had been punishing him by giving him bad beats over and over. 
He said that was, and, and this was uh, what his attorney said. That was his reason. He's not happy. That's how he felt. Uh, there are other ways to handle issues and handle, handle anger. So even his attorney is, is saying that he did the wrong thing. So uh, th- that's this guy's claim. And he also happens to be a Catholic preach, priest. Uh, it is not clear whether he has been defrocked. So he may actually still be a priest, though he, he was removed from active service at the time. But uh, he could still be a priest. Uh, who knows uh, if, if he'll just be back in active service after some time passes. Uh, he's actually been incarcerated since he was arrested in October. So he's been in prison now for almost 11 months. So given that he was given 11 and a half months to 23 and a half months, he could be released uh, you know, very soon, like in a month or two. He'll also be on probation for five years, and he'll be a registered sex offender for 25 years. But what a stupid reason. I don't believe it either. I, I think he just had to come up for it with, you know, so you're caught uploading some kind of disgusting child porn. And what do you say at that point? So he probably just came up with that excuse that, oh, I was punishing God because I'm getting bad beats. Like, he's got to say something. Well, he can't say, well, this turns me on. I'm trying to share this with other freaks. You know, he, he's got to come up with something, even something that sounds stupid, to make him not sound as bad. Trying to kind of just make it seem like it's not about sexual perversion. It's just about uh, being a compulsive gambler. That's, I think that's what he was going for. And the fact that he's a priest really makes me concerned because a lot of these priests are attracted to that position because they get to have contact and the trust of families with with kids and they get to spend time alone with kids and uh, you can guess what happens from that point and and usually these priests that molest kids they're usually molesting boys sometimes it's girls but usually it's boys it doesn't say what kind of kitty porn it was I, I I would have to guess it's uh, it's porn involving young boys that would be my guess it doesn't say, but that's that's my guess here. And he, he initially faced 20 counts of possession of the child pornography and 20 for the distribution of it. But uh, he only ended up pleading guilty to a single count, and the others were dismissed as part of a deal. So it was a, a guilty plea. Uh, if he had not, had not pled guilty, he could have faced... Seven years in jail for each of the 40 counts. For, it could have been 280 years in jail, though that was very unlikely since they didn't have any uh, proof that he had either uh, filmed any of these kids himself or had ever uh, molested any kids in any way. So he may have done it, but, but there was no proof or evidence that he had done so. All they had was that he had received child pornography at some time and then was retransmitting it uh, to others on the Internet. So... What a, what a dumb reason. And uh, I, I don't know why the Catholic Church does this. They, they really protect the priests that are caught doing things like this. Instead of really making a strong statement against them and uh, defrocking them immediately and, and just cutting ties with them completely, they, they, they really get protected. And, and there's actually homes that the Catholic Church pays for where priests who were disgraced uh, get to live, live out their final years. Like like uh, older priests who are, uh, even if they're taken out of active duty and are never, you know, don't have anything uh, to do with actively representing the church anymore, uh, the church still takes care of them. 
And uh, one fairly famous and well-known case that happened a few years ago was in San Jose, California, where this really, really, really awful priest who had molested uh, a whole lot of boys and even some girls. It was one of the rare cases where a child molester molested both sexes. Usually a child molester goes after one sex or the other. But uh, this guy had mainly gone after boys, but he actually did molest girls too, including girls in his own family. Uh, But uh, one of his victims from back in the 70s actually came back for revenge. This was in 2012, I think. And uh, a man who was in his 40s came back for revenge against uh, a priest who at the time was 67. Yeah, this is actually May 2010. It wasn't in uh, 2012, but the, the, the trial was in 2012. But uh, a guy who's, who basically his life was, was ruined and he was just, uh, you know, he couldn't lead a normal life because of what had happened to him. This, this priest, his name was uh, Gerald Lindner and was 67 back in 2010, was actually at a home that was paid for. He was at a, a retirement home that was paid for by the, the Catholic Church. And I think it was in Los Gatos, too, oh. which is just well, right inside San Jose. But that's like a nice area where they're putting these people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this guy, to show you how awful he was, in 1975, um, this, this guy... Uh, William Lynch, who at the time was, uh, I guess, uh, I think he was six and his brother was four or something. Anyway, something like that. Or he was eight and his brother was six. Some, some, some age like that. Uh, Gerald Linder took him on a camping trip, him and his brother, and made one boy give oral sex to the other. Can you imagine? And then, and then, like, then threatened them if they tell anyone. And... Uh, so this this guy had a history of molesting so many kids, including like he molested girls in his own family, and 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 his family stopped talking to him. This guy had a a long history of awful molestations of little children. Just an awful guy. And the the Catholic Church is still supporting him. Well, this uh, William Lynch, who couldn't get this off his mind, was forty four years old. Or actually, he was 42 at the time, in, in 2010. He was, he was 42. So I guess he was seven, six or seven when this happened. But he was 42, and he finally decided he's going to do something about it. So he tracked down where Gerald Linder was at this retirement home. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was in Los Gatos. And he called up, and in order to get Linder to come out, he claimed that uh, a relative has died and that uh, he needs to talk to him about it, about an inheritance. He made up some BS to get him to come down there. And he identified himself as like this, with some phony name. So Lindner came down and, uh, of course, didn't recognize Lynch because Lynch wasn't a little boy anymore and hadn't seen him in all those years. So Lynch asked him, do you recognize me? And Lindner said no. And he's probably telling the truth. And he said, well, I'm the boy who you molested with his brother back in 1975. You know who I am now? And then Lindner's like, uh, like he, he wasn't exactly happy to see this guy in front of him. He was not a little boy anymore and looked like a you know, pissed off dude. And, uh, and then he said, take off your glasses. And Lindner says, why? He said, take off your glasses. Because he was going to punch him. And so, <laughs> I don't know if he took off his glasses or not, but then you know, he punched him, knocked him to the ground, and then uh, like started kicking him on the ground and said, turn yourself in! Turn yourself in or we're going to fucking come back and kill you! And then left. 
So they, I think, tracked down from the phone call or something who it actually was, and he was arrested. And William Lynch was, was uh, you know, this became a big story, and he was actually willing to go to jail for this. He acknowledged that he punched Linder. He, he acknowledged that he gave a phony name to get him to come down there. Uh, the excuse he used for the trial, which I don't believe, but the excuse he used was that he just came down to get a confession from him. And that uh, when Lindner looked at him the same way he looked at him back when he molested him, that he, it just reminded him of what had been done to him when he was a little kid and he snapped. Which I don't believe. I think he went down there on purpose, you know, wanting to beat him up. But, but fine, you know, like he deserved it. So there was a two-week trial in 2012 and not guilty. Lynch walked. They, they, the, uh, the jury actually uh, found him not guilty of felony assault and elder abuse, even though he admitted that he came down there and beat the guy up because the jury decided that, yes, he was molested. Yes, it's possible that he was just traumatized by that and saw the look in his eyes and was reminded by it and snapped and that uh, he deserves sympathy there. So... If I was on the jury, I would have done the same thing. I would not have convicted this guy, knowing that the molestation had actually occurred. And there's no doubt that it occurred. There was no doubt. In fact, the uh, uh, Lindner refused to testify about that and, and was basically, even the district attorney who was pressing charges against Lynch admitted that the molestation likely took place as, as it was stated. And of course, this guy had a whole lot of other accusations against him over the years. So, But, but can you believe this guy was, was, given the history that was behind him that the, the Catholic Church was still paying for him in an old age home? Like, why? Well, I don't understand why they do this, because how many people would step forward and complain if they just completely put these guys out to pasture and said, goodbye, uh, you, you handle this yourselves? Well, they should be in jail. Yes. First of all, in which they protected him from that, and it's like, what are they going to do if they, I guess, have been a priest all their lives? I mean, I know nothing about that. Yeah, but they so can... They, they, they just throw them out in the street? Well, yes. <laughs> I don't care what they have to do. Right. They, they end up on the yeah, street, fine. I'm, they need great. to turn him in. Yeah. They're either going to protect him and he's going to be part of it, or they have to turn him in and he goes to jail. Well, yeah, they can turn him in, but I'm saying even if even if he's turned in by someone else and, and, uh, and they decide they don't want him serving the church anymore, at that point it should be it. They shouldn't be uh, paying for his living expenses after that. They should say, okay, goodbye. We, we believe the story. Uh, goodbye. We're, you may not have been convicted, but we don't want you to be part of the church anymore, you're out. They, they can do that. They, it's legal to do that. They, I, don't, I just don't understand why they coddle these priests, and that's a big problem with the Catholic Church, and anyone here who listens that is Catholic, you should be asking the church why they do this. I, I cannot think of any excuse why someone like this Gerald Lindner uh, would be paid for by the Catholic Church you know, to, to live in a nice retirement home after everything he's done. So... Well, I, right, but I would assume that he signed when he signs up to be a priest that he's signing up for life. And again, if they're not going to turn, if they if they can't admit they know he did it, because then by not turning him in, they're committing a crime. Well, but I what, what about the situation right? where they they find out when everybody else does? So, like, if someone comes forward and say, "Hey, your priest molested us," and you know, and the church says, "Okay, we you know we found out the same," like say the police came to the church, they said, yeah, we, this was reported to us. So the 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 church finds out at the same time. I'm not saying it always happens this way, but if the church finds out at the same time as, as the as uh, 
you know, when the police tell them, when they, they didn't know it beforehand. Uh, at that point, they should do their own investigation and determine if this really happened. And even if the guy's not convicted in court, they should still say, we believe that this is this has happened and we, we don't feel comfortable. And they should kick them. And if any contract that, that uh, the priest signed to be part of the church, there should be... Uh, a clause in there that uh, that they can for, for these uh, these accusations, if the church determines that there's some validity, that they can be released any time. Hundred percent. So yeah, and I listened to that guy being interviewed after he got out of jail too. And I mean, just the, I mean, not after he got out of jail, but after the court, after he was found not guilty. And um, I mean, just the store, the detailed stories. I mean, you went over some of it that this priest had done was just unbelievable. Yeah. No, I, I mean, this guy, he deserved much worse than, than being punched a few times. I mean, this guy, uh, he, he sounded just absolutely horrible and did horrible things to little children. And, uh, you know, I, I, someone who really did this, not someone who's falsely accused, but someone you know 100% really did this, I mean, I, I'd be happy to see them uh, tortured or just really, really, really harmed. The, those type of people, they're the absolute worst. They, they deserve to be put through the absolute uh, worst worst uh, consequences for for what they did and uh because you know, the, 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 what these children went through uh, i can't even imagine and and, and the guy yeah. that does this over and over and over again to multiple kids too for his, for his whole life i mean that's just uh absolutely horrible so uh that's, and the los gatos yeah. i mean if they feel a responsibility put them in fucking fresno out, you know <laughs> they put, put them in put, put them in clovis but next to that uh closed exactly. car <laughs> there's, a, there's a space for rent there i hear <laughs> So, so anyway, this this priest here, I, I, who was uh, convicted of uploading the child porn, which isn't uh, nearly as bad as this Linder guy we're discussing, but uh, he also shouldn't be supported, even if he didn't actually molest anyone. But I, I don't trust it. If someone's a priest, and that we, given the all the different scandals with the priests molesting children over the years, and uh, given that this guy had an interest in child porn, I mean, I'd be surprised if he's gone all these years. And I, I don't know how old, how old this guy was, but he he looks middle aged. It's hard to believe someone who is interested enough in this whole thing to upload child porn and is a priest never did anything inappropriate. That's just very hard for me to believe. So uh, I know they can't convict him of anything without any kind of proof, but. Uh, well, but isn't I mean that's a crime, right? Yeah, oh yeah, it is. I'm not saying he I shouldn't just, be punished. Yeah, he should be, definitely be punished. There's no question. Like, I, you know what? I, I've thought about this before of downloading versus uploading. I, I mentioned earlier in the show. I'm a little nervous about laws involving downloading unless the person makes it clear that they want to download it. Like, if someone goes in a chat room, and say, "Hey, any you know." Uh, anyone have a picture of an eight-year-old doing such and such, and then they're sent the picture and they download it? Well, then, you know, then it's clear that they're looking for it. But if you just have it on your computer, if it just showed up on your computer in some way, well, 90-something percent of the time, it's there because you wanted it to be there and you've committed a crime knowingly. Uh, there is a certain percent of the time where you could have, it could have ended up on there in one of many ways that you didn't know. And and I hate to see people convicted of that when there's no evidence that they knowingly downloaded it. But uh, but any evidence of, of knowing downloading or especially uploading, because uploading is much worse because you're distributing at that point. And I think that should be a much, much worse crime than downloading. Uh, but but I do like the idea when, they, when the, the authorities take over or get, get into these, uh, these child pornography rings on the Internet and, and, in fact, take them over and run them <laughs> and then grab everybody's IP addresses or, or in some cases... Uh, 
can distribute malware that will expose their real IP addresses, even if they're making attempts to hide it, and then and then go after these people. And uh, and I think the more this happens, the more this will make people nervous to do this too, and and will uh, stop a lot of this as well. So. Uh, the pro- the one problem with infiltrating these rings, though, is sometimes these rings are so cautious that they make you, a- as a way to prove that you're serious, they make you upload new child pornography that they haven't seen before to them to initiate yourself. So then, how do the police get in there undercover? They can't just go molest children you know, as part of the cover. They so they either have to, have to upload something that, that that just has never been distributed. But then if they are, then they're vict- they they are victimizing a kid because then this will get out somehow. So there's a, the only way around this is to have like some kind of like CGI version of this uh, of, of child pornography made that's convincing enough to where people believe it. Otherwise, uh, a kid is being victimized in some way if this is being uploaded. So that's the tough thing is it's like the initiation process. It's 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 hard to prove yourself to get part of one of these groups if if you're really law enforcement so uh but but when they do manage to infiltrate it especially if they just take over the site in some way then uh i, I like seeing things like that and i like seeing uh people go down who who have been uh doing this and now it was pretty rampant when i used to chat on yahoo chat i used to see like just open discussion of this, people would create user rooms called like uh, you know, uh, fat men for for boys six to ten, and uh, there was really rooms like that where people were looking for pictures like that. I, I couldn't believe it. So, uh, so here's some comments from the text number at seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. This is from the four eight oh. Not going to disagree one bit, but it's the whole Catholic thing about forgiveness, etc. and they take the vow of poverty, thus the deal is the the Catholic diocese uh, apparently has the obligation to provide room and board for life. Agreed it shouldn't happen, but the church is adamant that everyone deserves a chance at redemption but kept from being in a situation where they shall not be put in temptation. Sadly nothing's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, I guess that's a good summary, and I, I don't think it will change. I just, I think there would be, they'd be more likely to have change if there was enough pressure from uh, the membership of the Catholic Church. Uh, from the 505, I think the priest issue has probably been going on for hundreds of years, and now it's just getting reported. Yeah, that's probably true, too. Uh, this is from the 410. Jack Casinos are now run by Rock Gaming. Yeah, I, I knew that. Uh, I'm hoping my casino does the same soon, but it's unlikely since Gordon Ramsay's stake is coming by the end of the year. He's referring to Horseshoe Baltimore. And yeah, if they're, if they're bringing in Gordon Ramsay's steak, then they probably don't have plans to sell it because that's uh, a Caesar's own restaurant. They wouldn't be starting that if they're just about to sell it. From the 512, it's just a matter of time before the IRS starts lurking on poker fraud alert. Yeah, who knows? They might already be doing that. From the 551, I don't even know that area code 551. Did you ever take up Howard Letterer's That's offer? That's got to be new. Did you ever take up Howard Letterer's offer to meet up with him uh, to, to 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 be show some sort of proof that he's less guilty? I, it wasn't a well written text, but he's trying to say if you ever contacted Howard Letterer and taken up on his offer to see the proof that he's not as guilty as he said. No, I meant to before the World Series ended, and then I just didn't get around to it. But I still have his phone number, so. I, I may call him at some time soon and discuss this with him, especially close to when I'm going to be in Vegas. That's that, By the way, that was duped Samaritan on a new phone number. So thank you to him. All righty. So 
those are the texts for right now. And let's see what else we have. Getting near the end of the agenda. Trader Risky, it looks like you may make it uh, almost all the way. Yeah, I, was, I, I gotta sign off. Though. I gotta sign I gotta off. I, sh- I shouldn't have said anything. I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah, I was what? waiting for my uh, spot. Whenever, whenever I say, oh, it looks like you're making them, they go, well, actually, I got to go. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought of that, too, before I said anything. Like, sometimes I, I say something, and I kind of know I shouldn't say it as I say it, and then, then I regret it. Okay. Well, th- thank you for being part of the show here, and uh, I, will, I only have two more topics, so I can uh, complete them by myself without too much trouble. And, and thank you, and uh, we'll see you again next week or whenever you're available again to uh, co-host the show. Okay, Drop. Next week it is. Okay. I'll listen to the rest of it. Talk to you later. That's Trader Risky. Good, good job tonight on co-hosting, bringing up a lot of good points. And probably talking more tonight than usual, because usually he's kind of like the third wheel. He's just quietly listening and occasionally chiming in. Tonight, there is no one else to chime in but him. So, Trader Risky, he should have his own show sometime. All right, so I want to talk about Nolan Dalla's list about sports handicappers. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Nolan Dalla has a blog. He's he's friends with Brandon and uh, friends with some other people who listen to this show. And I I don't I'm not a friend of his. I'm not an enemy of his or a friend. I just uh, I'm an acquaintance of his. He knows me, I know him, but we're not uh, on good terms or bad terms, I'll say. I did talk to him on the phone once during that whole uh, Jacqueline Moscow debacle, which I won't even bring up again. <laughs> but, uh, by the way, Jacqueline Moscow lost a lot of weight. You should check her Twitter. Uh, Jacqueline Moscow apparently got to, like, I forgot what the high weight she was at. I think near 300 pounds. She got really, really huge at one point. I, I don't think this is when we talked about her initially, but... She got very, very fat at one point. And then when this whole thing went down with Nolan Dollar motorboating her back in uh, May of 2016, um, she definitely was not thin. She definitely was overweight some, but I there's no way she was like 300 or 250 then, but she, uh, yeah, she was, she was probably, uh, you know, she was definitely still overweight somewhat. But uh, she's definitely not anymore. She's lost a lot of weight. And it looks pretty thin now. Uh, it's hard to tell what's happened with the breasts. Sometimes when a woman loses weight, it comes out of the wrong places. So I don't know if she still has the breasts you can motorboat. It was hard to tell in the one picture I saw of her. But she's lost a lot of weight. She claims it was not through any kind of surgery, that she didn't have uh, one of those surgeries such as gastric bypass or lap band or anything like that. She claims she just did it through dieting, which is pretty tough. But she definitely lost a whole lot of weight. And she posted about it on Twitter. So, I wasn't starting this segment to talk about Jacqueline Moscow, but it's hard to think of Nolan Dalla without thinking about Jacqueline Moscow. But let's get back to Nolan Dalla. Nolan Dallas started, you know, he, he has a blog, and he's very outspoken on the blog. He is never afraid to give his opinion and to be very blunt and use a lot of foul language. And, uh, the, you know, that's the style of his blog. It's very uh, in-your-face. Uh, I'm going to give you your opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion whether you like it or not sort of blog. 
And in fact, when the whole Jacqueline Moscow controversy happened, a lot of people called him out for being sexist on his blog. And, you know, I actually believe that he did motorboat her, but some of the criticism of him was unfair, like to go into his blog and scour it for things like that. It it was clear from his blog he was just trying to be outrageous and trying to say uh, things to get a reaction. So I didn't think the blogs they were pointing out were indicative of having no respect for women or anything else like that. And also, he didn't have a history of that. He's, he's been in poker forever, and he didn't have a history of sexually harassing women. So I, I think he got the wrong idea and probably motorboated her and thought she'd take it well, and then she didn't, and it all went downhill from there. That's just my opinion. I, you know, I wasn't there, of course. Anyway, back to back to him, though. Last time we talked about Nolan Dalla on this show, and by the way, he, he might come on at some point. He's, I, as I said, I, I know some people who are friends with him. But he had a, a meltdown, which was somewhat staged, but I think it was it was staged and also real regarding the Atlanta Falcons choking, choke job at the Super Bowl. And he had placed a bet, and he was drunk, and he melted down on camera. Let me get something out of the way, first of all. Let me get something out of the fucking way, all right? Listen to me. The New England Patriots are probably the best dynasty in the history of the NFL. Okay, let's skip forward here. Phenomenal job. I am humbled you overcame a 25-fucking-point deficit, the biggest in the history of the NFL and the biggest in the history of the Super Bowl. And then you kick a goddamn field goal, and the game's over because they got an 11-point lead, and there's no fucking way that New England comes back. Okay, so you get the idea. <laughs> I played this before. And he's had other meltdowns in the past, but uh, that was the most recent one in February. So this is a blog he did about sports handicappers. And it's a pretty good one. I agree with it. He says, it's that time of the year again. The start of football season means two things. First, sports gambling ramps up big time. Second, an infestation of predators will be hunting for fresh prey. These predators are known as sports handicapping services. This is on uh, nolandollop.com, by the way. Fortunately for us, dishonest sports handicapping services are easy to spot. In fact, they make it way too easy. Here's some advice that never once failed me in my 20-plus years on the sports gambling scene and more than a decade living here in Las Vegas. Well, it may have failed him a little bit, by, evidenced by this. No fucking way! <laughs> so... This is what he says. My advice is as follows. When somebody looks and acts like a scumbag, he's usually a scumbag. Want to know more of the warning signs? Okay, let's do this. I've compiled a list of things to watch out for. Here are 10 ways to tell a handicapping service, also known as touts or sports advisors, is probably dishonest. So he's talking about the people who sell their sports picks, the ones that you pay money, they give you sports picks that are supposedly winners, and uh, that's how these people make a living, where they're selling picks. And, of course, everybody wonders, if they can make so much money betting sports, then why are they selling their picks? And there's all this, a lot of different 
explanations offered, such as uh, it's steadier money, there's less risk, uh, they can't get enough money down to the casinos because they're known as winners, so they can't get action, blah, 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 which it's kind of BS these days because there's so many different places to gamble, including online, that if, if you really can make winning picks on standard bets, I'm not talking about prop bets where it can be hard to find action, but I'm talking about standard bets like the side of a of a football game, side of a, of a basketball game. You, you can get a lot of action there. So don't believe these sports touts that claim that the only reason they're selling their picks is because uh, they're not allowed to bet anymore. But here here's the 10 signs that your sports advisor, your tout, your sports handicapper is a phony. It's a fraud. Number one, when the handicapper uses a pseudonym, and he writes, any successful sports handicapper should be willing to use his real name in all of his business dealings. This is especially true when your hard-earned money is involved. Sure, some handicappers may employ a catchy nickname for marketing purposes, and that's okay. But each of us has a legal first and last name. Anyone who's honest about what they do for a living should be willing to be known publicly. I've discussed this sticky point with some full-time touts who insist they use pseudonyms for legal reasons or to maintain privacy. I call bullshit. If you can't take pride in what you do for a living or if you're uncomfortable with your customers knowing your identity, then you shouldn't be in the business. Here's a question. Would you take financial advice from someone who doesn't use his or her real identity and instead relies on a fake name? Of course not. This should also apply to anyone who you trust to provide sports picks. That's, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that before, but that's a good point. Number two, handicappers using phony academic credentials. Over the years, I've noticed many scumbag happy ca- handicappers use doctor or professor in their titles. This would be perfectly fine if they actually had academic credentials, particularly in fields such as statistics, psychology, or some other discipline related to sports gambling. Fact is, these doctors and professors are frauds. They're liars. Years ago, a scam capper who went by the name of Dr. Ed Horowitz was exposed as a cocaine addict and was found to be a convicted felon. More recently, Dr. Bob, a college dropout who lit up the sports betting scene about a decade ago when he went on a perhaps random hot streak, which caught the attention of mainstream media, has no doctorate in anything. He's still around. Be careful who you trust. Number three, living a high-roller lifestyle. There are legitimate handicappers and honest sports services making a living researching games and then giving out the plays and perhaps even betting on the picks themselves. Every single one of them puts in massive numbers of hours. This is especially true for bona fide sports services that really do care about their clients, which are few and far between. If you see advertisements or, worse, reality television shows or videos with douchebags posing with fancy cars surrounded by pretty girls or fanning huge wads of cash, run in the opposite direction. They're all crooks. Shit stains. What are you talking about, that guy in Kentucky now? Scum. Every one of them. Here's the truth. Real sports handicappers don't call attention to themselves. Real sports handicappers don't toss around $100 bills like confetti, nor hang out in Las Vegas nightclubs. Real sports handicappers work their asses off because that's what it takes to win in this business. And that's true. Uh, In fact, they, they don't like publicity because they want their action taken. They don't want the books knowing that they're, that they're killing them. They don't want, uh, they don't want to be known as the guy who can beat the books. So they don't run around with a high roller lifestyle saying, I won this sports betting. Very true. Number four, touting only win, only recent win loss results. This is a red flag that screams scam. We've seen this frequently, especially on print ads and all over social media, including Twitter and Facebook. We went 8-2 and on our last 10 plays. Sign up now. 
So the service claims they went eight and two. So what? I could flip a coin and it might come up eight heads and two tails. But the, why is the service bragging about only the last 10 picks? What about the previous 20 or previous 50? You can be absolutely certain if the service never enjoyed a longer winning streak, uh, or if they ever enjoyed a, a longer winning streak, they'd be bragging about it. Fact is, the service might have gone 2-8 and eight the prior week and ended up with a 10-10 and 10 overall record. Minus the usual 10% VIG plus the service's subscription fee, congratulations, you're well on your way to going broke. All that matters in sports handicapping is the long term. One day, one week, even one month is almost meaningless. Unless a service can provide a legitimate win-loss record over a lengthy period, at least a year and preferably several years, they should be avoided no matter what claims they make. Number five, failure to post a comprehensive win-loss record. This is closely related to the previous red flag. All handicappers should publicly post their comprehensive win-loss results. This is easy for a website to do. All play should be archived so the customers and potential new clients can see for themselves how the handicappers performed. That said, be careful because many sports services have been caught scrubbing their dirty records. These unscrupulous services appear to maintain an updated listing of all recommended wagers, but they go back later, a few weeks or months afterward, when no one remembers the losing picks. Then they scrub away the losses. Removing 10 losses from 100 picks can make a 50-50 coin-flipping handicapper look like a genius since the falsified record would be hitting 56% winners. One very strong indicator to know if a sports service is honest is not to look carefully for losing streaks and look... Or is to look carefully for losing streaks and losing seasons. Oddly enough, this is somewhat a reliable I- indicator of integrity. If a sports service has a few losing seasons, but also more winning seasons on their record, that might be worth consideration. In short, be inclined to trust a handicapper or sports, sports service that admits to bad streaks and losing seasons. So he's saying if any handicapper that wins all the time, that never has a bad streak, never has a bad season, you shouldn't trust because they're lying to you. Number six, different levels of service based on price. This is a dirty trick used by most most dishonest sports services. They offer different levels of service for their clients based on the price. Often you see VIP clubs or other elite offers which presumably provide a higher level of service, which implies better sports picks, but is junk just like the rest of their stuff. If I'm relying on someone else's judgment, I want his best stuff at all times. This would especially be true if I'm paying for information. While the time period of a subscription is indeed a legitimate way to categorize clients... No sports gambler should ever be receiving second-rate plays. Any service with a segregated membership clubs is a scam, without exception. 7. Beware of the hype. Here in Las Vegas, several daily and weekly shows feature sports handicappers as regular guests. These, quote, experts break down games and provide their picks. While many are, are worthless so far as value, just about all of them do provide accurate information. Most public, informa- most public handicappers who appear in major media work are very hard, work very hard to provide analysis, injury updates, and other data which can help the listener make a solid pick. Even those who don't win in the long run can provide a valuable insight on a game we may not know otherwise. Hence, I do respect the handicappers who are willing to share their opinions. That said, gamblers should avoid the braggarts and scammers or, and screamers. Sorry. Uh, beware of the so-called experts who spend lots of time touring their rec- touting their records and marketing next week's picks. Number eight, any sports service promoting a game of the dot, dot, dot is a fraud. No sporting event is so lopsided that it merits being promoted as game of the year. Yet we see this garbage all the time advertised. This is marketed directly to, uh, to saps and suckers. Gambling is a long-term endeavor. Gambling is about percentages. No game is a lock ever. The most egregious violation of this code is, or violation of this is game of the dot, 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 whatever, is often witnessed in the early football season. 
Dishonest sports handicapping services advertise their game of the year, sometimes in early September. How does the service know that there won't be a superior wagering opportunity later in the season in October, November, or December? There's a reason for this, and it's a strong sign of dishonesty. Scammers know how most gamblers still have money earlier in the football season and that they will inevitably be lost from week to week. So they hype early season games in order order to try and take advantage of ignorance and desperation. So so basically he's saying here that that they really push games in the early football season before people lose too much money betting football and then give up on it. So that's why they claim game of the year already in September, even though the football season just started, because uh, they know a lot of these potential clients will be gone by December. Number nine, touting parlays. Parlays are bottom-of-the-barrel traps for chumps and suckers who lose consistently and are desperate to crawl out of the financial hole. Some sports handicapping services are so vile they prey on the most vulnerable who believe in the fairy tale of parlays, gamblers who hopelessly need a long-shot winner to get back to even. For those of you that don't know, by the way, parlays, it's when you you bet on a few games at once and all of them have to win for your ticket to win. So, of course, the chance of that winning is pretty low, but... Of course, that means it also pays more. So let's say you've been on a parlay with uh, five different teams. Well, all five of those bets have to win. If four of the five win, then the whole thing loses. But if all five win, then you, you win something pretty large compared to what you bet. So that's why people like them. And even though there's a big house edge on these parlays, typically, people like them to have a chance at a big score and get out of the hole if they're uh, way down in gambling. So he's saying that... Uh, Whenever they push parlays on these services, that they're trying to target those type of desperate people. Number 10, beware of concentration on sides. Beware of concentration on high-profile games like Monday Night Football. Betting sides and nothing else is at best a break-even proposition for 95% of all gamblers. The lines for NFL and most college football games are rock-solid. Oddsmakers don't make mistakes. Or if they happen, they're very rare. Value comes from when we have reliable information that's not widely known nor factored into the line yet, which is far more common on propositions such as the number of yards rushing uh, a running back will gain. Uh, there's still some value in second-half wagering. In short, the more exotic the wager, betting obscure players, quarters, etc., the better the chances that, uh, that the number might be off since it's impossible to calibrate every proposition of every game with complete accuracy. Incredibly, very few sports handicapping services give out propositions, quarters, first halves, and so forth. They focus on numbers that are virtually unbeatable sides and totals. There's a reason for this. Most sports bettors want to bet on something they understand and can easily follow. Very few gamblers take the time to consider a rash of cluster injuries along with a team's offensive line, which might, re- uh, which might lead to allowing more sacks. So it may, I won't get into the rest of this. But basically, he's saying that uh, the very mainstream bets, Monday Night Football, uh, any kind of sides in a major sporting event, they're very hard to beat because these have been analyzed to death by the sports books, and it's very rare that they'll set a line that's too too much uh, off. So he's saying your chance to beat sports and the house percentage that they take off of on top of every bet called the VIG, the only chance to really beat that, he's saying, is to make somewhat obscure bets where they haven't had as much time to analyze it. And uh, this is very true. This is why Daly does so well, because Daly does do those type of bets. And he he had some great props in various sports over the years, in football, in hockey, in, uh, in basketball, in baseball. So 
these were bets on individual players in most cases. And he had such a good record, obviously he was doing something right. This was not just luck. So that's, that's where you can make the real money in sports. You're not going to make the real money betting on sides because uh, these have been analyzed so closely that it, it's very hard to beat this consistently. He says, my conclusions are as follows. Avoid sports handicapping services. You can probably pick just as many winners and losers as a typical, quote, professional. Moreover, if you add in the cost of the service, which can be hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars, making a steady profit is even less likely. A final word. I have many friends in the sports handicapping business. I know many of the biggest names known to most serious gamblers. Some of them are honest. Many are hardworking. Many have experienced temporary flashes of profitability, which launched their careers as a public handicapper, and they they provided some measure of client confidence. But remember, all glory is fleeting. So... Um, I agree with most of this. The truth is that most of these people selling picks are frauds, especially the, the, the flashier the site, the more bragging that's done, the more hype that they try to create around their picks, the, le- the least likely it is, the less likely it is that it's legitimate. Only a tiny percentage of these touts are legitimate. Most of them are just scammers who are preying upon the desperate, so keep that in mind. But if you want to see some good picks, follow the uh, Poker Fraud Alert uh, Flying Stupidity wagering thread that Daily started. It's now like 500 pages long, but you don't have to worry because most of that is uh, are, are games that have already passed. But just go to the last page of the thread and Last two pages and look at the post, especially once by daily, and you'll see some good picks there. There's also some recreational people posting there who are just taking their shots. But uh, when daily talks, you should listen. He gives some good stuff. All right. uh, Finally, I want to talk about the car insurance rates that have gone up in Nevada due to the legalization of recreational marijuana. So marijuana was legalized in July, on July 1st of 2017. And a lot of people celebrated this, but they didn't realize that it may have some negative side effects. And one of those is the fact that it appears that auto insurance rates are going to go up in states that have legalized recreational marijuana. Okay, so that's pretty much the song of uh, all of Las Vegas now, as you can smoke pot there and it's legal. No more having to resort to drug dealers, no more having to fear 
What happens if you're caught buying it? No, you can just go to a dispensary and buy it now. No more medical marijuana card is needed. You can just buy it in Las Vegas. You can buy it anywhere in Nevada. You have to buy it from a licensed dispensary, but they're all over the place. So plenty of people in, in Vegas, especially poker players, were happy with this. But the question has long been asked with legalized marijuana, what will happen regarding driving? Does driving under the influence of marijuana cause more accidents? Is it more unsafe? And we all know about alcohol. We know that uh, driving while drunk is very dangerous. But uh, what about driving while stoned? And if you drive while stoned, just how bad is it? And how many people do it? How many how many accidents are really caused by this? So some studies were done on this because there were other states that had legalized marijuana before Nevada. And uh, some information was found that may not make the pot smoker very happy. Now, this was reported on CNBC. CNBC.com had this report on June 22nd, 2017, uh, which is nine days before pot was legalized in Nevada. It says, auto crashes are on the rise in marijuana states. A new study finds that an increase in accident insurance claims in three states that have improved have approved the sale of marijuana for recreational use. According to the Highway Loss Data Institute, the number of vehicle collisions reported to insurance companies in Colorado, Oregon, and Washington is 3% higher than what would have been expected in those states that had it not been made legal to buy pot. We're concerned about what we're seeing, said Matt Moore, the, the Institute's senior vice president. We see strong evidence of an increased crash risk in states that have approved recreational marijuana sales. While Moore's research finds a greater crash risk, his study does not say if the increase in collisions in the three states were directly caused by drivers who were high. The study also did not look at highway fatality rates in the states that had legalized marijuana. So it's saying that basically uh, maybe there were more accidents, but they were just fender benders, that uh, the fatality rates are most important. It didn't really look at that. And uh, it also didn't look at whether the drivers were actually high in these accidents, just that the overall number of accidents went up by 3% in these states. To determine whether collision rates are higher now in Colorado, Oregon, and Washington than they would be if recreational pot use was still illegal, the Institute compared the collision claim rates before and after legalization with the collision claims rates of comparable states where pot is illegal. For example, Colorado was compared to Nebraska, Utah, and Wyoming. After crunching the numbers, the Institute said collision claims since marijuana were legalized are up 16% in Colorado, 6.2% in Washington, and 4.5% in Oregon. Colorado has had legal pot sales the longest, and it's showing the greatest effect, said Moore. Meanwhile, Oregon has had pot sales for the shortest amount of time, so its increase is the lowest, but that could change over time. The study comes as more states are considering legislation to approve pot sales. Opponents say legalization will lead to a number of problems, including the increased likelihood of people driving under the influence. 
Since Colorado and Washington became the first states to approve cannabis for recreational use, the question of whether high drivers are getting into more accidents has been suggested, but never definitively proven, partially because there's not a field sobriety test to check drivers specifically for marijuana. Moore said another reason it's hard to determine how many accidents are caused by stone drivers is that drivers testing positive for THC often have alcohol in their system as well. We're concerned about impaired driving in general, said Moore. Marijuana just layers on top of the other impairments like alcohol. So that's another problem is that people could be drunk and high at the same time. So then it's kind of hard to say which part of that caused the accident. And it's also said that it's it's a lot harder to identify that someone is high or at least prove it. So it has been found by certain people in Nevada that their insurance rates have gone up despite not getting in any accidents and not getting any tickets. So someone reported that they called up their insurance company who informed them that the insurance company made a decision to raise the rates in Nevada for this reason because they're already anticipating a higher accident rate. So basically they're saying everybody has to pay more because there's going to be more accidents here now that pot has been fully legalized. So, personally, I believe that there is something to this. I don't think it's a coincidence that all these states had a rise in accidents to this degree. I mean, 16% in Colorado, that's huge in a state with Colorado's population. Even 6.2% in Washington is big, and 45 in Oregon. These, these are all significant, very significant numbers. And you may say, well, that doesn't make any sense because... Whoever wanted to smoke pot could already do it. You know, it, it wasn't that hard to get before it was legal. Well, that's true, but once you take away any barrier to entry, even a small barrier, then use goes up. I've said that for a long time. I said if you legalize pot, if you legalize marijuana, then the use will go up. People will start smoking it more who smoked it occasionally. People who didn't smoke at all may start. You know, people who just didn't do it because they they were paranoid about doing something that was illegal like that or getting caught with it or whatever. Like You take away the illegality from it, and a lot more people are willing to try at that point. Or people who did it occasionally are willing to do it more. So you'd have to be a fool to think that utilization, that use of it will not go up from legalizing it. And with that does come an additional driving while impaired. Now, I'm willing to concede that driving when high is not as bad as driving when drunk. But as even this article states, driving with both situations going on is even the worst. That's the worst of the three. And just driving high is also unsafe. So I think the proof's in the numbers there. And that's not good. So I I don't like the criminalization of marijuana users. I, I don't like the idea of imprisoning people who are caught with uh, a personal use amount of marijuana or caught buying a personal use amount of marijuana. I, I don't think... Similar to how I don't feel that... Uh, Online poker should ever be illegal for the player. 
that even if they want to leave it illegal for the sites to run, that if you want to play it, that uh, that's a different story and you shouldn't be criminally charged. Uh, similar with, with pot, you shouldn't be criminally charged for purchasing it illegally or possessing a small amount illegally that you're clearly keeping for yourself to use. Uh, but but uh, as far as selling it, once you legalize that, you really are opening the door to a lot more use of it, and I think that hasn't been studied enough. And this is already showing here that there's consequences that many did not expect. Though this was warned by some people, this is not a complete shock, but it, it was dismissed. And dismissing that concern was a mistake. So I, I think some things are actually probably left they're probably better left in the underground. I think some things, uh, just the fact that they're illegal and a little more difficult to get, not impossible to get, not super hard to get, but a little more difficult, I think sometimes can be a good thing for society overall. And that may upset you if you're a pot smoker. I'm not. I've never done it, but that may upset you. I know if I was a pot smoker, I would personally prefer to be able to get it legally. But I will say that... There, there was a reason it was illegal in the first place, and if it's used a lot more by a lot more people, then we're going to start seeing problems that we did not see before. So if you're paying for insurance, that's, uh, if you're paying more for insurance than you did before, that's probably the reason if you're in Nevada or one of these other states where pot is legal. So... I've always felt there's a difference between uh, strict enforcement of a law and repealing a law. Big difference. So, again, I'm not saying we should track down every pot user and arrest them. But this legalization, while on the surface it might sound like a no-brainer to a lot of you, it, it has consequences. And we will see as the years pass on whether these trends continue. And if they do, you can't deny them. You can't just say, oh, it's a coincidence. As soon as they legalize marijuana, the accidents went up. That's just, it's just the way it happened. No. Very high chance they're related. So, just keep that in mind. Not much, uh, not much any of us can do about this either way, but I found that was interesting. I wanted to mention it, especially because it has to do with Las Vegas. Now, now something a lot of people like to do in Vegas since it became legal is go to a dispensary as soon as they get to Vegas. It's kind of a novelty. Uh, they want to try it out, see, you know, see how it is. Uh, they like the idea that they can just travel somewhere and, and get pot easily because traveling has always been tough for pot smokers because you can't really take pot on the plane because you go through security, you can get caught with it, you can get in a lot of trouble. So people typically don't take marijuana on planes. In fact, I, I knew a guy who smoked pot all day and all night. This guy was like a pot addict. And when he would travel, he, he couldn't stand going without it, so he would actually mail himself pot to wherever he was going. He'd mail it to the hotel. 
beforehand. So he'd pick up a package sent by him for him. So. Now people who fly to Vegas, they they can just go buy pot legally. So a lot of people think that's great. Especially if they come to Vegas to party and to have fun. Now you don't have to go without pot. Now you don't have to worry about where you're going to get it if you don't know anyone there. So for those people, it's great. And maybe it'll even help Las Vegas tourism to some degree. But as I said, there's additional consequences. Like many things in life, it is not as simple as it appears. Sometimes you say, change this law, it's so simple, there's all the reasons why we should do this. I can't think of any reasons why we shouldn't. Okay, well, let's do it. And you throw your support behind it, and then things happen, and you go, oh, crap, I didn't think of this. Oh, crap, I didn't think of that. And I think we're already starting to see that. Yeah, I think California had some kind of... uh, I think they legalized pot, but it's not quite there yet. Let's see. California pot legalization timeline. Um... Let's see, rollingstone.com. Legalized pot in California, everything we know. Full legalization is set to arrive in California in January 2018, but what's that going to look like? So yeah, there was a Proposition 64, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, and 56% of voters voted yes on it. But uh, they're trying to set up regulations before January 1st. And at that point, California will be the largest legalized pot market in the world because California has like 37 million people, which is a bigger population than a lot of countries. So, yeah, it's coming to California too. Hmm. Well, like it or not, that's, that's kind of the way things are going. Whether you're pro-pot legalization or anti-pot legalization, it's it's definitely going the way of pot legalization. And uh, more and more states are going to do that. But I don't know. They may rethink it if they start noticing a sharp increase in auto accidents. Now, if it's just a sharp increase in fender benders, then probably not. But if it's a sharp increase in auto accidents where people die or get seriously injured, then there may be a reconsideration. All right. I am done. Let's see if the chat room has anything to say before I shut this down. I'm pretty tired. Uh, I I played poker for a while last night on Bovada. This is before I knew that they skimmed my deposit. And uh, I didn't sleep that much. I had to get up early in the morning. Then I thought I would nap in the morning. But then I realized, oh crap, I have to go to the dentist today. So I went to the dentist at noon. Then I got back at about one twenty or so. Then 
I, I realized I had some other things to do around the house, and then I was like, okay, well, at least I can sleep a few more hours, and, and then I realized uh, I had something to do at five, so I never got back to sleep. So I didn't get much sleep, and I, usually on Wednesdays when I got to do the show, I, I, I make sure to get enough sleep beforehand so I don't come into the show tired, but tonight, I came in, I energized myself, I, I came in tired, but I energized myself, so I was excited for the show, and I, I didn't outwardly feel tired, but I'll tell you right now, I, I outwardly feel tired. But the good news is the show is over, so now I can feel tired. Okay, so the chat room doesn't have much going on. Let's see how the ratings were tonight. I know I was kind of late, so that might have heard it, but... Yeah, see, the ratings slipped a little bit after we took our month hiatus. I knew that would happen. We kind of lose momentum when that happens. So I, I hope we get some people back that we may have lost from uh, the hiatus we took. It's funny how, like, you just you go away for a few weeks and people just get out of the habit of listening. But it could just be the live listeners. I, I haven't looked at the archive listeners, so that, that may be just as strong as ever. Could even be more for all I know. So, but whatever. It's yeah, the number's still good enough to justify doing the show. And when I say justify, I mean just justify to me for the time and effort I'd spend doing it. So, we'll be back on September 6th. That'll be our next show around the same time. Again, a Wednesday show. And hmm. I will probably tell you at that point, well, maybe either that week or the... I'll, I'll make this commitment. Either next week or the week after, I will tell you exactly where and when I am going to be playing poker on the live stream so you can watch me on the live stream. And you can see all the good times and the bad times for my poker play that night. But I will be on the live stream. Unless I like get sick or something and can't make it. So, I appreciate all the listeners. If you have never texted me before, feel free to say hello. 775-372-8355. You can text me at any time, day or night. I will respond to you. You can also email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. All lowercase. Just dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com is my email address. Or you can PM me. That's Dan Space Druff on the forum, on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. In fact, register a forum account if you don't have one. Register a forum account, make a few posts, get involved. I always like to see new people on the forum. Uh, I was contacted by a user from Spain who uh, apparently has been listening. Another one in uh, Costa Rica contacted me. In fact, one of them, I actually deleted their... <laughs> I deleted their account when they signed up because I thought they were a spammer. Oops. But I, I put them back. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, whether live or in the archives. This show is done for this week. And I will talk to you next week with more exciting stories. Maybe another player will, will crap his pants in the poker room. You never know. 
Good night. As always, Shalom.